How you doing, jerk-offs? I'm sorry for the delay. I know I'm a little bit late this week, but I have a very good excuse. I was skiing. That's right. For some reason, people want to go skiing during the day and see comedy at night. What kind of comedy? Apparently me. That's who they want. They want a young man who is very unused to ski resorts and French people to come in there and remind them that there is a world outside of the chalet, which I insisted on calling a chalet for most of the time I was there. That was just a little bit of fun for me. But no, that's where I've been. I am sorry. It is genuinely quite hard to get a podcast away when you're in the mountains. I was at Maribel, which is in the French Alps. Uh, I'd, never, I'd never been to the Alps before. It was my first time on the Alps. It was cool. Uh, very, very weird place uh a lot of money probably too much money i think like everyone just kind of had like a wealthy face like you know in in ski gear you can't really you can't really get much of an idea like you know whether they own it whether they rented it but just their their heads implied a level of their parents financial success and i found out about these people who are called seasonaires now a seasonaire is a person who spends the ski season on the slopes, working in a bar, maybe like working as a host in a chalet or something like that. And then they kind of get days off and they just spend all those days skiing. And then at night, they finger each other, drink a lot of alcohol and take ecstasy. That's as far as I could tell. Those are my observations based on my four nights with them. Uh, it was a cool time. I was doing, I, was, I did a couple of shows uh, in these little bars at the base of the mountain. Some people are wearing ski boots while you're performing comedy, which was a new thing for me. I was there with previous guest and general champion Phil Nickel. Uh, he's, a, he's a veteran of the mountains. And as a Canadian, uh, I was very intimidated to have to ski alongside him. He snowboarded because he's cooler than me. I ski because I will eventually have more money than him. That's pretty much how I figure out the split between skiing and snowboarding uh it was good fun a nice little nice little perk i gotta say the audiences and stuff like those people were like super weird mainly because we were in france like i flew into switzerland into geneva and then i was in i was in france and not a single person in the crowd came from anywhere but the uk like as you ask you know you're like hey is anyone here from blah, blah, blah. not a single person outside of the outside of the UK, except for one South African. Not a single European was in there. Don't get me wrong, you see Europeans on the slopes and stuff, but definitely none in the comedy. Uh, so that was interesting. It felt like it felt like you know I was getting a little a little Brexit trailer. I was just kind of this is what it's going to be like when they're not around anymore. Uh, obviously, that has kicked off a little bit. I think we've enjoyed with our Brexit series that everybody kind of assumed they'd be fine, but then in the last week, what has happened is. Uh, everyone, everyone's kind of realized we might not be fine. <laughs> I think that's the funniest bit. Everyone's like, no, of course, it, come on, it can't be that bad. And then now it's like, oh shit, actually, maybe it's just going to be that weird no deal thing where people don't get insulin and no one gets tulips. Uh, those, those are the two lead news stories that I've taken on board. If I'm underinformed, that would not surprise me. But I figure let's take a little bit of a break in that programming from the Brexit thing because we have had a little extension there. I do want to chat to some more European comedians, but I thought, why not kick things off uh, with this week's episode, Dane Baptiste, ladies and gentlemen. Dane Baptiste 
uh, a comedian who is kicking goals goddamn all over the world. One of, one of your most in-demand comedians in the UK, doing shows everywhere, popping up on the TV all over the place. Plus, he has just sold his TV show to an American company. Some of the Waynes brothers are going to be developing it into an American TV show. You know that thing where Americans, they kind of like the concept of a TV show and they're like, hey, instead of kind of using what was already there, what we're going to do is make sure everyone has an American accent because that way there's a possibility Americans might watch it. And that's what's happening with Dane. And Dane's been a friend of mine for a while. We met back in Australia doing some shows together out there. Super interesting dude. Uh, always a very reasoned opinion, I think. Like he, a very, a very articulate and a very well-read guy. Like he's just like one of those dudes who seems to have already thought about everything, which I think is fair given his podcast is called Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. Uh, you can go check that out as well if you like. A uh, really good chat with him uh, as, as, a, as a man of Caribbean origin uh, growing up in South London. He definitely gave me a perspective on growing up here that I had not heard from any other guest. Plus, we get into it a little bit about online culture. As Dane will tell you, he is like a, a practicer, a, a practicer of troll judo. That's what he calls it. He likes a good online discussion. Uh, just looking at him do that makes me tired. But hey, very interesting to talk to. Get excited for that chat. We're about to dive into it. But beforehand, just to let you know, a uh, couple of shows coming up. April 5th, I am doing a preview of my new Edinburgh show at 2 North Down, which is just next to King's Cross Station. Uh, you can find all the details for that show on my Facebook or on the 2 North Down website. It is at 8.15 p.m., 50 minutes, new material that will eventually make its way to Edinburgh in the August. That's locked in. Plus, on the 7th, on the Sunday, we have our next Australian Comedians Dope Comedy happening at Backyard Comedy Club. Always a great night. This time headlined by my former schoolmate, Steen Riscopoulos. Steen Riscopoulos, absolutely killing it in comedy. He does one-man sketch shows uh, that have received rave reviews all around the goddamn world. And he's joined by Alice Bryan from the New Zealand and Nick L. Ray, who's an Australian comedian who spent a lot of time in the UK. So that is the 7th of April. Uh, tickets available to that on the Backyard Comedy website or at Design My Night or at Ticket Text. You can grab those. And for those of you who like to keep it up with the pod, please get around our Twitter account at the Union Jackoff. Uh, we give all the episode updates there. Uh, give you some give you some news from any of our guests if they're performing anywhere, they're putting any content out. Very easy to follow. It's growing fast, so get involved at the Union Jackoff. Or as always, you can get in touch with me uh, at Dan Muggleton, D-A-N-M-U-G-G-L-E-T-O-N. Or you can email MuggletonDaniel at gmail.com. Get in touch. I'd love to hear from you guys. And every time you email, I promise I will reply. Keep giving us those five stars on iTunes. Currently five from five, which I adore. Otherwise, jerk-offs, ladies and gentlemen, anyone new to the pod who's here to listen to a bit of Dame Baptiste, let's fucking rip into it, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, my chat, the very interesting Dane Baptiste. Is 
So the guy, the guy had this thing where he was like, he said, he was like, oh, great show. When I buy you a drink, you remind me of my cousin. He's colored, etc., etc. Now, some people are triggered by the use of archaic terms like colored. Yeah. But for me, it's like, when you take entire, like, into the entire context of what this guy is saying, he's like, A, giving me kudos, which he doesn't need to do, mm-hmm. and offering me to buy me a drink. Sure. Most racists aren't going to part money with someone that they feel have contempt for or they perceive to be inferior to them. Yeah, right. And not, yeah. In, not in like a way that isn't kind of... Yeah. Uh, uh, It'd be more like, here's a tip, park yeah, my exactly. car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Park the, my car, Carlos. Just like, like a, a good job and like give yeah, you exactly. a fiver so, and you're yeah, like, what? Again, and you know, again, tonality will let you know if you're being condescended to or someone's being, you know, complimentary. Of course. Whereas I remember going to university and being in Leeds and the bouncer being like, oh, you'd enjoy the club down the road because they play R&B there. That's much more racist <laughs> and prejudiced. That's more... Uh, well, it's racist and prejudiced because the prejudice is the fact that he assumes I, I could only like R&B. Yeah. And obviously the race being the door policy, which is like, no black guys. Yeah. So, so this is where you guys go. Yeah, it's where but you guys it, go. But he's saying so, yeah. it in a slightly nicer yeah, way. Yeah, a nicer way, but what you're saying is the same thing. So I think yeah. like, even sometimes if you say something, you shouldn't feel offended or you shouldn't be worried about causing offense. Even if you do, like, it's still an opportunity for you to learn. Like, you can make the mistake and not make it once. It's like, I knew a girl when I was working with and we'd always flippantly like a joke and be like, your mum, your mum or your mum. Yeah. Like, as you do. But she, her, she's adopted. So right. the joke doesn't really work for her. She doesn't take it as well. So she was like, look, I'm cool for like banter but know your mum jokes. So it's right. like, fine, we just removed that from this. That, that's a line. Yeah, it's a line. Just a very easy yeah, personal it's very easy line. Person. It's a very easy personal line. So exactly, so it's bespoke. So I'm yeah. like, I can make jokes with her again and make the, take the piss, but she's just saying that's one, her one line. And once you know that, then it's fine. And I just think, even with the names thing, you can just, it's, sometimes it's a learning process. And I think that's the problem is that now in this time of, I guess what people refer to as identity politics and shit and mm. people are a lot more sensitive is that I don't really subscribe to these ideas about identity politics and stuff, but I feel like the idea that people are more uh, concerned about postulating who they are and what makes me distinct from other people, um, I think part of that is the uh, the complex you get from being on social media because it's such a wide world and distinguishing yeah. yourself is impossible. Because so you're, trying people... to, you're trying to be a destination. Yeah, yeah. And, and trying to I need some yeah. adjectives. I need some adjectives. Who am I and what makes yeah. me different to this, the sea of this collective... In this collective consciousness, how do I stick, stand out? Yeah. But by the same, uh, by the same token... That's why I guess we have so much conflict on social media because as a social species, we shouldn't really be making declarations about what separates us. It's more about what we have in common. Well, if you look at like any human rights movement forever, because I've had this discussion before, it's yeah. all like, hey, let's all be equal. Let's all treat each other the same. And then social media is all like, hey, I'm not the same. This is what you refer to me as. And yeah. if you don't, you're a jerk. And yeah, you're yeah. like, whoa, what? I thought we were... Exactly. We yeah. haven't even nailed the equality thing yet. And you, notice this, and you notice this is normally when the people that are outspoken or, or social activists yeah. in the, uh, I guess, the initial stages of their uh, ideology or their movement. Like if you look at someone like Malcolm X, for example, mm. the narrative was very separatist with the Nation of Islam. Or like, you know, uh, for, I guess... Martin Luther King's uh, would have been more of a, had its roots in more Judeo-Christian kind of values and yeah. stuff. So the whole non-violence thing. But what happened was, as they're going on, they seen they begins to become a convergence where it's like we're all equal. So for, in the case of Martin Luther King, he was on his way to uh, you know an anti-poverty rally, not just right. for like just black people in general, but an anti-poverty rally for everyone that's affected by like you know financial inequity in America. In the same way that like after Malcolm X went on hard, she was like. I will still continue to uh, be a Muslim, but he was like, we're all yeah. equal, that's Chechen Muslims, 
white and dark because uh, yeah the whole thing is it was in the the, the Hajj uh, so I read the book yeah. I just remember that passage it's yeah, yeah. like uh, they're all my brothers but like they're yeah. because they're all Muslim yeah they're not yeah, yeah so some so of them are white from a spiritual yes. perspective but then he also forms a secular uh, organization which is the organization for Afro-American unity yeah which again means that he be, so my point is that you normally notice it's when people are like at first we're like well my people need to be respected as well and that's the identity politics and it's when it begins to converge and they're like I actually want equality for everyone, and that's when that's when it's nice. That's when they, and that's when they get killed. That's when they get killed. Yeah, that's when they realize. That's when they yeah, realize. That's when they, right, they realize yeah. we're all the same, and it's, and, it's, and you even transcend yeah. the whole self determination and the identity politics uh, thing. Once you start thinking, yeah, but we're all the same, that's when they kill you. Yeah, so that's why all those people on Twitter are still alive. But they yeah, but you know, but you notice yet. how yeah, most people on Twitter, in collections <laughs> on Twitter, that's who they 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 are very much more reminiscent of when we were a lot more of a polarized society. Yeah. But the same person who's the racist racist troll is probably sitting next to you on the train, not even giving you the slightest indication right. that they are opposed to you. But it's just these incarnations where people, uh, like trollism, is a it's um. I want to talk to you about trolls because yeah. because I this. This is a this is a weird way that I I follow you. I pay attention to your little adjectives on Twitter and stuff because I remember initially it was about Naruto. Mm-hmm. Uh, you referenced Naruto, and that was very exciting for me because like in Australia, I'm like one of like seven people who got around Naruto. I, mean, I think I would have thought there'd be given the size of the Asian diaspora in Australia, well, it'd be yeah. a lot more popular. It's true, but they they went at my school. So what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so. You know, not I didn't know anyone who like read Naruto or looked at Naruto and you said oh, Naruto, yeah. Love it. And I was like, what the fuck? How'd you get into that? And he's like, no, it was, it was big. It was big. No, it's big. <laughs> People Sur- were into and surprising. Like the first, like I kind of was aware of it, but the first time I heard a lengthy discussion about Naruto was in the barbershop. Really? Yeah. Just chilling. And Just chilling. And this guy was like, and this guy was like, you ain't going to believe, man. The first Hakage, that motherfucker uses wood. <laughs> and I was like, what are they talking about? And yeah, so... Yeah, because like, yeah, there's a there's a bar down the road, and like, it's a an R and B club. I think oh, you'd yeah, say. Yeah, cool. And they during the day they had a they have like the TVs on, and sometimes they're just playing clips from Naruto. That's amazing. And I'm like, fuck, there we go. Amazing. There we right? go. Do you do you like Boruto? No, I couldn't really get into it. It Takes a while, but once you get into it, it's pretty good. It's quite complicated, but yeah, for me, it's not the same as Naruto, which I get because. I guess you can't tell the story exactly the same again, but that's it. They escalate. That's like one of the everything I've noticed with any Japanese kind of art. It's like yeah. about the escalation. Like yes. it's never just like we're gonna tell, we're gonna stay at the same level telling different stories. Or like we're gonna fucking escalate no, you this up. thing. Yeah, yeah. Dra- Dragon Ball's gotta be Dragon Ball Z, then Dragon Ball Super, G- and then GT. I mean, we say GT, but a lot of time, you know, people like to remove GT from the canon. Yeah, but- yeah, but like you know what I mean. It's like. The power, like they can't, they, can't, yeah, they yeah. can't keep using tactics, all right? They just oh, have, no, to no, have no. longer and longer hair. I think exactly. <laughs> I, remember, I, remember, I think I think Goku's uh, power level when Dragon, when I first saw Dragon Ball Z was like maybe seven hundred with all the weights off. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I think by the time he fought Freezer, like as a Saiyan, it's like one million. Yeah, that's that, was, that was it. Yeah, it's like yeah. Initially, like you could probably do long division <laughs> <laughs> on the number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now, and then yeah. at the end, like, oh, I think by the end he was like, I think by the end of Dragon Ball GT, I think it was like a hundred or forty million or something ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, just like just so yeah, so high. It's but so that, high. that's how they do it. Like you know, that's that's their that's it's their escalation. vibe. Well, they say that the influence of that comes from uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. What? Why? So, the, the, why the aesthetic of like you know enormous explosions and right. clouds and like a lot of when the Japanese depicts like battle in like manga and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like because they do a very good job of it. It's because obviously they've seen what a ridiculous fucking explosion looks like. Yeah, that's part. Hand. That's like cultural. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it's so it's so nuts because you can just 
that that's a very fair link that I would have never thought of. Yeah. I'd just be like, no, man, they just fucking, the they just dig flying and blonde hair. Yeah, even, that's all. But it is, there's also the Western influence of the fact that you find most characters, uh, given like, a, the typical uh, aesthetic of uh, a Japanese person, mm. like the characters that's supposed to be quite benevolent and innocent have very, very wide, almost European eyes. Yeah. But when people are becoming very focused, then their eyes narrow a lot more and they appear to be a lot more uh, Japanese. Yeah. Well, uh, that's like, yeah, like uh, Naruto, the good guy, blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah. And then like... Goku goes yeah. Super Saiyan, blonde hair, blue eyes. But then when guys are really good or they're the cool guys, there is no mistake that they're Japanese. Right. Because Saiyans are Saiyans, but they're definitely Japanese. Yeah, right. As is Sasuke. Sasuke, yeah. He's very yeah. Japanese. As is uh, Monkey D. Luffy in One Piece as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which like is the cool uh, ones are like, yeah, we're, we're pretty fucking definitely cool. Ja- they're definitely Japanese boys. It's like, for all the other characters, as crazy as they look, the main protagonist or the anti-hero in Sasuke's case will yeah. definitely be uh, appear to be Japanese. Yeah, it's, it's funny because like, over here, there's just not as many Asian people. And when I say Asian, no. I mean, I guess like the UK, East Asian, I think. I guess I, you I say think East Asian. We, we, I think we, we, here we distinguish a lot. I guess we, uh, our description of Asian people is a lot more nuanced. So you will have the, the separation of, uh, I guess you, you'll have Indians and you'll have uh, uh, Pakistanis and then you'll have, you know, Chinese. Yeah, Al. However, Japanese are Al. But whereas, I think, and then if you're a bit more clued up, depending on where you live, if, you, if you're from some, like the Midlands or like the North, then you make yeah. a distinction between Punjabis and Pakistanis and, you know, Gujaratis, uh, Sri Lankans, and and then again you can probably work it out by region as well. Like Tutin has a lot of Sri, Lang- uh, Sri Lankans and Southern Indians and uh, northeast and mm. of here, like Gants Hill has uh, Gujaratis, Leicester is Sikhs, Old right. Bradford are Pakistanis, Southall I think would be like I think it's more of a mix of Indians, but also like Bangladeshis. A lot of Bangladeshis in like East London as well, right? Like East Ham and stuff as well. So so before before I before I use your extensive knowledge. Mm-hmm. Of the UK, I want to get into this. I want to stay on this troll thing a little bit more. Yes, of course. You, what what is it in the description? Like tro- troll, troll judo, troll judo. Yeah, yeah troll what, judo master. What, what is this? I, I see. I see that you respond to a lot of things, which which I I which do, I, which I, I look at and find exhausting, even though I'm not responding to it. I'm yeah. just seeing it. And by and by even by that response, I think I'm learning to uh, use more internal techniques. Uh, so ju- uh, troll judo was a self defense technique I created uh, to deal with. Uh, online vitriol which uh, involves a series of blocks and takedowns and counters sure based on a uh, troll's uh, vicious tweets was that the directed at you these were tweets sometimes directed, directed at, at me or just sometimes directed at me sometimes amusing which i knew i use as baits for trolls so like right. sometimes i do throw out like troll bait mm. for them to latch onto and uh i think it stems from it's just there's just it comes from more principle whereby uh, I've grown up in an environment whereby if people don't like you, conflict is very real and very physical. Right. I don't say it myself directly, but as in, I feel, I guess the overarching narrative for me is that like these trolls are trolls because they're cowards. Sure. So if they, if they, if anything if they're of their nature seems to imply, you know, racial hatred or aggression or microaggressions or, or, any, or threatening behavior, mm. my thing with most trolls is to, I guess, Remind them that you're doing this because you're a coward. Sure, like this is not who you are. And if you and if you believed in your convictions and you would and you were dispassionate about your ideas, then you probably would be able to show yourself. And right. I think like anyone who's genuine about their belief systems and they should be able to stand behind it. If you believe in your convictions and if you think about most of the uh, iconoclasts, like the ones we were speaking about before, whether it's like a Martin Luther King or a Malcolm X or a Gandhi or a John Lennon or, or like you know a uh, even a Bob Dylan or a Janis Joplin, mm. or the list is endless. But 
most of these people we know who they are. It's like whereas right. if they're, you look at the more malevol- malevolent people who are they're in the shadows. In the shadows, part of yeah. A greater they're group. Hi- yeah, they're hiding, or you know, you wear a cloak, or you wear a red hat, or yeah, you obscure your face, and it's like, well, why would you hide if you this is who you are? Right. And if you believe it in it strongly enough, you'd stand behind it. Well, that that's like one of the weird things when you watch those Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, like kind of yeah. footage of those times. You're like, you just see like white people like yelling at the black kids going to school. Yeah, yeah. Just like no mask on. You're yeah. Like, what, are you, what are you guys crazy? Cause it, yeah, because it was like, yeah, it seemed a bit. But then, like, you guys got to, you guys got to work. About the time, everyone who they were working with looked like them, so they were okay. Whereas I guess people can't get away with it. But then to no, an extent. Just imagine just like, you know, some, like there's a black guy and I'm just like pointing behind him, like in a photo. I'm like, well, that's the end of that. If you think that's chilling, imagine being an African-American knowing there was pictures of people being lynched when it was legal to perform these murders. Uh, and there are kids that would have been present at those lynchings yeah. who'd be adults today or younger right. people who'd be adults today yeah. who have been sitting there being accessories to murder like today that would be called joint enterprise if you were present at murder and didn't intervene or did anything exactly, yeah. arguably that's joint enterprise especially if you're taking pictures and pointing and stuff so it's like yeah. there are like murderers or people that were accessories to murder or who were involved Just in the around. killing still walking around today with no reprisals and you think you look at something like the Nuremberg trials and why they definitely exist where, where even if something happened 60 plus years ago, if you were present at a genocide, yeah, you know, you still have to stand trial. Whereas, like, it's very in the US, doesn't really happen, and there's still so there's still people walking around today who got away with it. So, yeah, because what when when were do you know that when lynching was no longer this, this, this year? What oh, made, um, illegal, you mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah in... this year, no, uh, ended last year, end of last year, in yeah. what state? Oh, federal now. Oh, it's so, federally. So now okay. federal law has been made that lynching is legal, but that no. happened like last year. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. How fucking happy last year. I know, right? Last Ugh. year. Wow. I last year. And, I, and I think even at the time, I mean, it wasn't necessarily legal to put an act of murder, but normally the justification would be an accusation of rape or whatever. Yeah. whatever and that would always be the justification, which was weird because at the time, white women weren't allowed to vote. So. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean. And you guys say you trust care. their opinions on some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not everything. Not everything, but yeah. Which is like most people. Ugh. Yeah. Opinion and opinions is a great way of bringing it back to trolls because uh Yeah. You know, that's that's the uh that's the comfort blanket of the troll. I have my opinions. Mm. Which is basically nowadays someone saying, I don't have any facts to support what I'm saying, <laughs> but my ego allows gives me the uh confidence I have a lot of baseless it. thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I have no I have baseless thoughts that have no root in any kind of scientific or historical basis. Yeah. But, but I, I it makes me them. feel better. Yeah, about who I am, so I'm going to keep spouting them. So, do you do you think like as as like a black dude, it's like more kind of in your brain, like the troll thing, like because I I just genuinely Probably. check out of it for my just mental health. Like I now you're right. I think you I would go don't, the right way. I don't engage with online shit really at all. It's good. No, you, like, you are, if I wasn't a comic, right, that's the right way. You, no you probably Twitter. wouldn't have to. Yeah, you need to. Yeah, exactly. And I like, and I probably away. I probably I, I mean I was spoken my stuff and it helps, but I think at the same time it helps. I, I look at it as helping my brand. But one of the right. reasons I do, because it's like, I mean, you might as well be aware of who I am. So there's no surprises if you come and see me in real life. Sure. So that's that's part of it. Uh, another part of it is like, you know, there is a consideration of being a black man in terms of the fact that I just look at uh, the, uh, lo- I guess I look at it as a, a long-term strategy for my career, whereby if you get to a certain point or you reach a certain profile, then people will want to do research on who you are. And the thing is now, obviously you've seen a lot of people are now being having their previous tweets and some of their thoughts very scrutinized. Yeah, man. And it's, you know, causing some people, you know, it's been detrimental to their careers. So some of the stuff I say, I'm like, you know, I said it and I stand by, I stand by it when I said it because mm. 
I guess I anticipate at some point, you know, given the importance of Twitter, people will start looking back on your musings and stuff you said. Because a lot of the time when we do, uh, I guess, reflect on Iconoclast, you do look at like their quotes and their speeches and stuff. Yeah, of course. And I think we're in a time now, obviously, people read a lot less in that form. So I guess that's how they will build your context is based on the stuff you said. So yeah, I do consider yeah. some of the stuff I say and how I'm going to stand by it. And sometimes if I was ever taken to task over my tweets, then I'd be able to give an explanation. So I guess it's been strategic. And also because... But have you, have you deleted anything? Is anything... I've got something else to delete stuff after a certain amount of time. But then okay. I still think people will still be saving stuff and giving screenshots. But it's fine. I mean, I don't. I just don't give a shit, Daniel. I'm just like, well, I said it. I said it. Yeah. And I, I've never been to somebody to be... Oh, no, I can't believe... I won't give you a reason why I said it. It's like, I probably didn't say this to offend somebody directly. But if I did, it's probably because you're a prick to me. And fuck you. <laughs> and it's not going to change because it's been brought up. Like, fuck you twice. Like, yeah. I said stuff to Piers Morgan. I've said stuff to like uh, he's responded I've said stuff to um, <laughs> Geraldo Rivera okay I've said I've said some stuff to him as well which I, d I don't regret like fuck yeah. Geraldo yeah well, what an embarrassment but no but I at the same time for, for mental health I've yeah. definitely dialed it back because because I just think it's stressful it's very stressful and, you're and the most stressful thing is it's like it. this person is such a prick I could uh, uh, and then you and you get to the point you're like I want to punch you in the face and I can't so it's like yeah 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 because yeah so Cause you know, the thing is like that because they're they're like they're letting the water off a duck's back that's how I think of them yeah yeah they're like well we don't actually care what we're saying we're just pushing the button oh, well, and then you're the one yeah, walking yeah. around being like I'm gonna kick I'm a gonna pigeon kick, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and, I, and I'll never take it out a pigeon but at the same time you're like oh this guy's such a prick and you would and the thing is and it's also it's like I I I, I realize how the folly of it because I'm like if this if I was on a bus. Yeah, and this person was talking like this. Yeah, I just be like, I might be like, hey, shut up, dude. But after mm. that, I just be like, that person's life is devoid of any joy. I yeah. don't care that then person. Then get is. off the bus, and I'll get off the bus, and I won't think <laughs> about them again. I'd be like, that person was crazy. Laugh yeah. about it with my friends, and keep it moving. Happy that I am, I'm intact psychologically. I'm sure. like that person. But yeah, you fall into the trap of thinking like because it's uh, cemented online that it has it carries any significance, and it doesn't at all. Mm. And I found the more I relax and the more I don't engage, then a it helps my mood. And B, you give them very little to work with because I think for trolls, they need stuff. They need they need stuff. They need you you realize to produce that. Content. And I, and I, it took me a very long time to realize because I guess you don't you don't want to be like oh you're 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 quite, you're you're a bit famous now you're on TV so and I don't, I, I very I'm very uh, I get a lot of survivors guilt and I don't want to feed into that narrative. Sure. But by the same token, it's like especially if someone sees you have a verified account on Twitter. Okay, the, the, the tick makes a difference. The tick makes a difference, yeah, okay. because because then they can be like this verified person. I've wound them up. This this celebrity couldn't take it because because uh. because I mean that's the whole thing with the zeitgeist of today is that as technology has advanced, like the mindset or the consciousness has regressed. So it's yeah. the same as like if you were uh, it's basically being in the stocks, right, and having all of the peasants these mud smeared faces with teeth missing, being like hang him cut him up and like right. the people that like throw rotten like, fruits I, and stuff like I, the, would have ne I would have never been near this dude you would never he's, exactly he's at my mercy this is exactly great. and they love it yeah exactly yeah. It's, it's, it's like I didn't realize it's like because you don't know anyone's identity it's like I would never argue with a 14 year old over rappers and stuff it's like your mum still buys you underwear like yeah. I, who cares what you think but there is some weird equality that's or, because you know the, the internet democratizes everyone's voice well you got like the same amount of characters right right so. yeah so he so even even though we don't have anywhere near the same level of knowledge or wisdom or experience yeah. but you know he has the benefit of anonymity and maybe if he's an adolescent much more time to do because he has enough <laughs> else to do with his day so i've yeah. so I've, i'm slowly realizing that it's like you know you work to get to a certain level of profile and while i don't want to be an egotist about it it's like you are above engaging with these people 
because this is all they have. Like, I'm not on here because I want to well, yeah. do stuff, but this is all they have. And some people, they thrive off that attention. And I imagine most of the people in school who you're like, the loud person, the emptiest barrel makes the most noise. That's what my dad always used to say. That's a good, good yeah. saying. This is it, yeah. And, and good, that's the same thing. Mr. Baptiste though. Yeah, yeah. And he, he, that's the thing. And, and it's, <laughs> it's funny because if my dad knew about social media and my conduct on it, he'd be like, this is classic Dane because he'd just be like, I, I don't care. It's way too much time to waste on people. He would never engage to that level. Like my dad is somebody who can listen to LBC all the way to work and yeah. barely react. Wait, what's LBC? So LBC is a talk radio show in London. Sure. Um, which plans to, I think it's, well, as you can imagine, London or, <laughs> or loud, brash Caucasians. I don't know. Something like that. Gotcha. Something like that. But it's, it's a show where it's like, it can be very polarizing. and people calling like, hello, I'll drive a van every day. And it's that kind of thing. Like so talk, you, talk back. Yeah. You know, like, what should we do thing. about talk, it? Yeah, you exactly. What should we do about it? Well, they blah, keep blah. coming over here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you yeah, know, yeah. They're like, I'm not racist. Oh, better turn it up. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> good. You know, you know it's going to go. Yeah. So he can listen to stuff like that and feel nothing feel nothing or if he but he's just just so in control of his emotions whereas i'm like who the fuck is this idiot <laughs> <laughs> you want to call in You're yeah like, i'm hey. like who the fuck was that idiot and so i'm learning to be to uh yeah not to be so emotionally invested in these things because they just don't matter and, and also but do you not do you not find this is the thing do you not find that the stage is like exactly. i used to be much, i used to be much angrier before i started doing comedy exactly i used to drink and just be fucking the angry guy yeah yeah, yeah. and then now that i do this comedy i'm, I'm just kind of so dumb relaxed. i'm just kind of uh, you don't care and that's, i and yell that's, at strangers and that's what's so funny because like when i'm on stage i'm so relaxed i cannot be rattled by anything I yeah I, 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 i'm just like yeah like people like i never get pissed off on stage because but, but, it, but it's the same principle because none of you are going to be a threat and when I leave the stage, I really don't give it any more thought. So yeah, I'm walking uh, out the back door. You guys are still in here. Yeah, catch yeah, yeah. another time. Exactly. But I think as well with the, the uh, I think the trolling thing. I think a yeah, a big part of it was just me. Uh, some somewhat form of a well, what's now referred as to as virtue signaling. But it was just like also I, I used to see a lot of people who would become I guess very upset over Twitter abuse and stuff like that. Right. And so I guess you wanted to like a lot of my especially a lot of my peers and stuff. So I was making a point of principle where I'm like. All right, well done. You can intimidate young women and, and, and bully them and threaten right. them with sexual assault and stuff like that. But I'm not scared of you. Right. I okay. can do this all fucking day. So you're putting like a flag in the ground. Yeah. So and, that, you know, just, and, I, and I was it. I think it was just more of a principle thing when I was just like, you can do this and you can you can intimidate young women and threaten them and mm. people don't respond to you. But And you can you can call people cucks and liberals, but I may be liberal minded, but I'd crack your fucking head open. Right. So... I want to make sure you're aware yeah, of that yeah, yeah. and that you're a coward and you know you're a coward and you would never say this to me in real life. Yeah. And then two weeks ago, I did a gig called uh, Comedians Unleashed. Yeah, yeah, that's down the road. Down backyard, the road, yeah. Backyard Comedy Club. Backyard, friend, yeah. Friend of the podcast. Yeah, good gig. Home Andrew, of the Australian Comedians Comedy Show. Yeah, it was a really good gig. Yeah. And Andrew, Andrew Doyle invited me down. Ria Lena was on stage. And uh, the idea of the show is to like, you know, provide, I guess, a safe space for uncensored comedy. Yeah, and um, I mean, I don't, I don't never, I've never felt I'm particularly censored in comedy anyway. But it was a fun gig to do. I always find that weird. It's just like, yeah, yeah. it's like you can finally say all the things you wanted to say. I'm like, so I was doing what, that anyway. Yeah, what haven't, what haven't you been able to say? Yeah, that's what I mean. What, what haven't you been doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, what did you need to say? And so, like, dude, you don't have to talk about your head. You can, you can talk about whatever you want. Anything you, you a, want. You and made I think, a choice. Exactly. And to I, be a pussy. Yeah, basically. You, so the, the issue is not other people. It's your, it's your cowardice. Yeah, the and yeah. then like they're the people who like would rally against a safe space more than anyone. Exactly. And they're now like, but see, now I need a safe space for my opinions. Exactly. And, like, and what Ugh. they mean is that I want to be able to disrespect people without yeah. being punched in the if, face. If you want a safe space, <laughs> say whatever you want. Go to Australia, bro. We can take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone's fine. Everyone's fine. And if you don't like it, you get punched in the face. And I just think, and I, but it was a fun gig. But I, I remember, 
I, apparently a lot of people at UKIP were in the audience like UKIP supporters were in the audience oh okay yeah which I didn't realise until after the gig but then things added up afterwards sure was because of two jokes is that, that when the, is that when the guy called you coloured <laughs> no no that was in Salford <laughs> Salford is also a pretty, pretty, racist, <laughs> pretty racist part of Manchester as well so, okay sure so he was cool but um, <laughs> no, they, they call me, I think they would call me much worse but um, right. two jokes I, may, I have the first joke which I, I get is, is aimed at comedians sure. who try to who used to try and normalise racism by being like, oh, yeah, my granddad's a bit racist. He's just old. Uh, my nan yeah. is racist. He's a bit old. Yeah. And it's like, mm, do we know that for sure? No, like, it's, it's like, that's easy. like Instagram filter. Make it black and white. Then it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know so, I mean? so, exactly. So they would create this uh, this uh, straw man. Yeah, it's your voice, grandparent. bro. It's still your voice, right? Yeah. And it's like, you know, you're, you're very comfortable saying, speaking to a room full of strangers. So... You could very easily speak about your grand. Like if your granddad was a fucking paedophile, I'm sure you would say something and be less inclined to be like, yeah, but you know, he's just old now. He's just he? old, eh? That's, yeah, he's you know, old. That's you know how they are. You touch a kid, he's a Catholic. Like you'd be less inclined. So I, <laughs> so I, have, a, I have a joke where I'm just like, you know, well, fuck your nan too. And I'll slap your nan with my dick as well. <laughs> and uh, it usually does well, but this room, they were just like... Mm-hmm. In, the, in the safe space for uncensored comedy. In the safe comedy. space for uncensored comedy, uh. they were a bit like, mm, my nan. I was like, yes, your fucking nan. Especially your nan. Especially your nan. Seriously. Yeah, especially your nan. Like, I'd happily... Your nan's the only one I've done it to. That's right. I'd actually tie your nan's tits in a reef knot. How about that? <laughs> you know nuts? You got some nut knowledge? That's free. That wasn't a highwayman's hitch. Oh, okay. I was just like, I got, I got no nuts. Yeah, didn't re- didn't re- go to scouts. Reef knot, yeah. A reef knot and, uh, and uh, high women's hitch and maybe another hitch if i put my mind to it but <laughs> really does the only two you need okay well yeah. look maybe after of this i'll show you a reef knot That's yeah not please and, I, don't, uh, I need i need this kind of stuff i'm useless uh, yeah highwayman's hitch is a lot harder but it's a very useful one though if you ever have to tie your horse up and perform a robbery i mean as an australian all the time right bush ranger culture there you go yeah so you know don't appropriate my it'll come in handy. horseback thievery that's my culture <laughs> That's what I do. Horseback thievery. That's like that's it. my yeah. That's my. It's the best way. It's, it's my so, indie it's record. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Melton, horseback thievery. <laughs> you should. That's a great name for a fucking record. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I would have made such a good piece of shit hipster. I think I already kind of am. Like I'm. I'm like right on the borderline. But if yeah, I re- if I really lent into it, oh, by yourself. I'd have a cafe by now. I'd I mean, play there on the weekends. Do you want tattoos? None. There you go. No tats. Won't commit. I refuse to. No piercings either. Really? Nah. That's cool. Yeah. It's like it just. Ugh. Yeah, I like I like I like being I like being pure vanilla. You there know you what go. I mean? No that's sprinkles. Be, that's being individual. That's, that's it. it. That's 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 supposed to be the thing. Yes, you're a distinguished thing. Slightly more fun. Yeah. Ah. I mean, I, I got nothing against body art. I mean, body art. I don't mind tattoos. Because I guess because tattoos, like everything else, became uh, fell to the capitalist beast, and so. Well, yeah. You can almost carbon date people now based on their tattoos. Well, it's just like, yeah. What, how did baristas, tattoo artists, and barbers all decide to look the same? <laughs> like fucking back to back to back. You're just like, you're the same person three times. Yeah. And you all shop at Urban Outfitters. Why? Right. And who is the more creative of those three subcategories of hipster, would you say? Tattoo. Got to be tattoo. Yeah. They're, they're quite talented a lot of them they can be very talented yeah i think for some tattoo artists you have to it's got to be like passed down through generations mm. and also i guess for you to be able to draw on skin is a there's a real good skill and there's like different techniques and stuff i had an ex-girlfriend yeah. who had a watercolor tattoo that's cool. like it looked like watercolor kind that's of art really and i was cool. like that's interesting that's really that's, cool. that's not a tribal tattoo that's a great move you this should do it. more of that there's something about the carbon dating because like you know i guess someone was born in the 70s they may have a flower of some description or a dolphin yeah you know an 80s baby you know she's either gonna have maybe a panther 
or some Chinese writing, yeah. potentially barbed wire on the wrist, on the arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 90s yeah. baby onwards might have some Arabic, maybe some stars. Like the the weird, the arrows? That's a big the thing a one. with yeah, my yeah. gen. Yeah, That's like also just, like in the yeah, 90s babies, yeah. The little arrows, arrows and stuff. shit. You got the, the swallows as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. Why? Ugh. Anyway. I, I mean, they all have meanings, but the thing is, it just, for me, it just, it's very easy to carbon date somebody. So when someone's yeah. like, hey, I'm 27. People who are 27 don't have barbed wire around their arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. You start to work out like, like a, like a, like a, like a medieval, I don't have medieval, um, <laughs> they don't have gothic writing. Like it's very, it's like, it's like any dude who's got it like just on the forearm. It's like, <laughs> yeah. he's definitely 60 years old and he, and he was in the Navy. Like, and, it's, and, it's, like, and it's green now. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if someone has a sleeve tattoo, it's like, yeah, you were, you've never had to be in a war. <laughs> no, absolutely not. That wasn't in the army, or, bro. Or yeah. Or you were in a, or you're in a war where you're, the team you're on is, massively outmatching the other team yeah 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 <laughs> your your man city versus fucking salford <laughs> yeah, <pretty laughs> there we much. go you wear football kit on holiday yeah. wait so where where we we you know this is this is vaguely about the uk where'd you grow up where was your spot uh, my stop was uh lewisham southeast london lewisham yeah yeah i know uh Blue Borough. yeah how and when when was this, this is 80s 80s, 80s baby yeah. 80s baby what, yeah. what so i only know i only know gentrified south london yes but I, i've been told even shortage not long ago was kind of rough. Yeah, it's kind of rough. Yeah, Hackney was a fucking shithole, mate. It was quite, yeah. quite a rough area. Because I, uh, I think like five years, maybe five yeah. years of knowledge. So it's it's. So I, I mean, just know it is this. I just spent a lot of time around here for the same reason because it was right. quite rough. So Hackney was like it wasn't really easy to walk into Hackney being from South East London. Right. Um, but then it's like South where I live in South London. It's a it's actually quite a unique one in that people would argue it's gentrified now, mm-hmm. but at the same time, for me, like I grew up in like Hither Green. Hither Green is quite a nice part of Lucian, but it's very close to Catford, which is also pretty upper working, lower middle class. Sure. But then you have Lucian Central, which is obviously quite working class, and then that has like New Cross. And then in New Cross or in Deptford, you have the Mill Hill Estate, which is like one of the biggest estates in South London or in London in general. Right. So there was always, for me, there was always like cultures and different classes on top of each other, because I'm also quite, I'm about 15 minutes away from Blackheath, which is very well to do in like, you know. Sure. So it's a. Uh, Bit of a bit of a mashup, so a classic a, London a, mash. Yeah, so it's always been a mashup anyway. So for me being very what? close to being people from working class and having a lot more humble backgrounds and from council states to people that you know are living in places where like houses start at a million pounds. So for did, me, like, did you all go the same school? Was that sometimes, sometimes, or, or you'd be close enough. So my, I went to a grammar school, which is a nice school. Yeah, I went uh, to a grammar school. Yeah, yeah it's a nice grammar, school, but with a A. A. Uh, yeah. A. Sorry, Haberdasher Asks was a nice school. I went okay. to Haberdasher Asks, and uh, you know. But it's, it's a very nice school with an entrance exam and the like. And it's a part of the Haberdashers Company, which is like a company of various uh, private schools. Oh. So it's almost like their little outreach school. And then, but we were like a five minute walk from another school, which was at a time called Hatch and Wood. Then it became Telegraph Hill. I think now it's called Crossways. Mm. So the fact that it's had to rebrand several times suggests that it didn't do well with Ofsted. <laughs> so there's things that you're always... Yeah, McDonald's saying, isn't changing its name every couple of years. Exactly, yeah, know? yeah. yeah. So this is not a popular school. Yeah, yeah, it's not a popular school. It's not trying doing to very rebrand. well. Trying to rebrand, trying to start again. So, yeah. you know, like, hoping, like, hoping like get... junglers. <laughs> <laughs> More like junglers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's the junglers of schools. And, uh, For anyone that doesn't know junglers... Uh, UK comedy chain. Yeah, UK comedy chain has not done very well. It started, off, but it started off great. Like Jonglers used ah. to be great, a great way because it was a chain club, and like if you got in, like for me starting out, like Jonglers was it paid a lot of people's mortgages. Yeah, it has. I mean, it wouldn't pay my mortgages at the time, but it was because yeah. def- it, it was very saturated. But it was definitely covering my expenses, and like, of which there were 
not so many, but were enough that they were very tough. Yeah. So yeah, so they used to, you know, my uh, it's my food, travel, cigarette money is pretty much. It's all junglers. All junglers for the large part of it. Like I depended on that, like two hundred here and there, and uh, because they were doing so well, mm. they expanded uh, with a um, like a super club group, and uh, so places like which most people in the UK might know, but like you know, your kind of chain clubs like you know Flares or. Um, like Prism and shit? Exactly. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I've been, so I've been in some trashy Oceana, places. Yeah, trashy been, places. Are yeah. they tra- Depends who you ask. I don't judge people. But I, I do. Trashy. They're trashy. They're trashy. Yeah, they're trashy, yeah. It's like Tiger Tiger, Peso Predatory, they named it twice. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just, but that kind of thing. So they, they moved yeah. into all these, these uh, super clubs which aren't really purpose-built for comedy sure. to do the numbers. And then... So they over-traded, so which meant they started seeing the loss in business. So as right. the brand begins to decline... Then they start booking like subpar acts that are prepared to perform and mm. have them bring people down. So then the brand started to climb more and more and they stopped paying like acts and stuff like that. And, and then uh, went down. Yeah, and then went down. And uh, yeah, so. But now. Started, so it started off being really good. Yeah. And then, yeah, now not so good. And, and Hatchinwood, I mean, I don't know if it started off good. <laughs> we can't speculate. I, don't, I, don't, I can't speculate. But I mean, if you were to become a gang member, then it was good. It was like an academy for you. <laughs> And uh, yeah, they, all, um, all the heroes are there, like little, little posters on the wall. In, like some, in, yeah, in some ways, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember him. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, you, you crossed off who's dead or in jail, but <laughs> you know. And I got some friends from there, so I was alright. But was, yeah, was they, it was it that rough? Is it like because oh, my sister used to work there, and 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 uh, I think one teacher was like a sexually assaulted by pupils. So whoa, that helps, okay, helps you give that gives you an idea of how rough it was. You got you got to remember, yeah, like Sydney's just a very <laughs> safe place. Oh, I see. Yeah, like, so, yeah it's it was, just even the yeah, rough actual, schools are like yeah. yeah the kids, the kids there were a bit chatty. No, they, they, this this school is fucking rough. Like, yeah, as in like you know, violence and weapons and shit. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It was closed down several times, and then obviously they're looking at my school and they're seeing kids come out with like briefcases and shit. <laughs> so it's like watching like zebra <laughs> actual briefcases, actual briefcases. <laughs> so if you're coming to a school like Hatch and Wood at the time, like you're look, this, you're like a lion looking at wildebeest at a watering hole like every night. Yeah, so like yeah, you're yeah. seeing people getting robbed and stuff, and it's like wow. I, I want to help. Yeah, so it's terrible and that. But that's it was an interesting school, man. Like, yeah, they had, well, you know, but it was still a diverse school. Like, they had like right. you know black gang members and triads, and so. <laughs> they had lots of different gang. Members. Yeah, yeah, because we had to share a bus. So, sure. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it's fine, but for some kids, not so fine. Not so good on the yeah. bus. Yeah, some it's not good. I mean, you you have your mum. You'd prefer your mum to do the school run with you after right. you've been mugged a few is, times. Is it like that kind of thing? Is it a, is it safer to be like a black guy? Or is there like uh, is there I like mean, a racial it, hierarchy? It, it, dep- it depends where you are. Because then I had some friends went to Mallory, which was an equally rough school, but that's near to like Downham and uh, Mottingham and Elton, which is referred to as the Nazi Triangle. So, <laughs> okay. so why is it the Nazi Triangle? Because that's where all the the white racist gangs are. Jesus. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that's and that's like working what is, what class is white. What is this prison documentaries? What the fuck? No, no. But this is how bad it was. This is this is what I mean. So when I grew up, like wow, people think it's bad now. All this happened now is that there's a lot of people are just put on top of each other. But when I was a kid, especially from Southeast London, right, biggest gang where I was from were the Ghetto Boys. The Ghetto Boys, and they uh, were hated by everyone. Sure. So if you go to Peckham or you go to like Camberwell. And you say you're from Lucian, then everyone's like, so you're a fucking ghetto boy. Because their re- reputation is so fearsome. Right. That like, everyone hates you no matter where you go. So it's like... Weird. So like in Southeast, so in Southeast, it's like... And and then they had Peckham boys. And okay. So they, and then my dad... And As my always, dad actually, gangs, very creative names. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing, the reason why is because they... Gang members themselves, they don't make it the whole sensationalized thing. Right. So, like, where did some guys from? This is where we're from. Right. So, like, my dad was like, you know, I'm, 
he's a broccoli boy. He or when he was growing up, he'd have been a broccoli boy. That's where sure. he grew up. But he was like when he was younger, like they had a rivalry with Peckham boys because it's like you know in the same no different to like you know Tottenham and Arsenal yeah. fans. It's the same area, but it's like it's a, a friendly rivalry. Sharing, sharing an area, there's sharing a rivalry. area. There's a little Done. rivalry. Yeah. So then, but then what happened was he said once the, the money, the drugs and drug money was introduced, then it becomes a more of a fatal kind of rivalry. Sure. Whereas before it was like a friendly rivalry. You'd like Peckham boys and stuff, and you're like ah Peckham boys blah, and made fun of them. And whereas yeah, so then it becomes a lot more serious. But then uh, when I grew up, Lucian and Peckham didn't get on. Mm-hmm. So and then, but then and neither did Campbell. So basically, Lucian Borough versus like Southwark Borough. Mm-hmm. Then Lambeth, which is uh, Stockwell and Streatham and Brixton, yeah, don't get on with Southwark. Which but then they also don't get on with Lucian. And then Lucian didn't get on with like Woolwich. So it's like Woolwich and Plumstead and stuff. Mm. And it's fine. If you're involved in that, then it's obviously very limiting for you to not be able to leave your postcode. Whereas for me, it's not going to be involved in that because I've got like friends and family from different parts of London. Sure. I've got friends in Peckham. So you don't want to just stay in your own you know, but little postcode. Some people, time. like if you grow up in the postcode and you grow up in a particular estate, then yeah, you don't really travel that far because you can't really go there. And it's almost, and like I said, it's, it's, this is generational. Sure. So like I said, it's not, they don't sensational. It's not like, oh, I'm going to get into drugs and I'm going to be get. It's like if you watch your uncle's deal drugs and you watch your dad deal drugs or yeah it doesn't it's normal to you yeah it's normalized yeah, yeah it's normalized yeah, it's not doing it, yeah so. everyone else is doing it it's like this is what you learn around the house so yeah yeah you don't see it as weird it's just so it's just legacy so i know a lot of people like that so it was but like i said in hither green i'm not experiencing that in hither green but then hither green is like 15 20 minutes away from elton mm-hmm. so that's where like the elton craze are Right, because a lot of people don't know that. Oh, the craze, they're the so the, the craze were from East London originally. Yes, but because their name was so big, they had a lot of ties in like South East London. Because South East London is a very interesting one because we're on the other side of the Blackpool Tunnel. Sure. So the the demeanor is like it's kind of Cockney, right? But not exactly. Sure. So yeah, you get and like Cockney gangs were like that was the thing. It does, it, yeah. Like, East, in, like, London, the yeah. Six, firms 60s? they were called, yeah, firms. Yeah, six, seven. And, and, then, and then it's like they're kind of still around. Right. But it's not out, as outspoken about it. Sure. But it, but also because of how big they were at 60s, 70s, then like a lot of the white gangs would identify as like craze and stuff like that. So they'd name themselves after these old firms. Right. Or they refer to themselves as firms. But again, yeah, for guys that are really involved in it, don't really sensationalize the whole thing. And then yeah. I think around about like early noughties, like it started, it started getting quite bigger and, and, the, and people were involved for the sake of being involved. And then I remember that there was just like a, a war between Ghetto Boys and Woolwich. Mm. And then it got so intense that, yeah, people just started dropping off and going to prison and wherever, wherever and it kind of died down. And then, then there was a big brief period where people were wearing colours like in the States. Really? Which again doesn't really work because it's just, we're just kind of past it. It's the same reason why like colours and gangbanging is more of a California thing and it's spread throughout America. Yeah. But, but again, it's like... But it's never to the same degree as it is. No, because it's, a, it's just a, like I said, it's, it's ingrained in culture in California, but it's like, I, I wear red and I'm in a gang. So what do you do in your gang? Well, we sell drugs and we do your things. Well, you could do that without having to change your wardrobe. So yeah. it doesn't really carry and the, the same The police actually way. don't look for anyone wearing purple. No, well, and exactly. Well, it purple. depends unless you're a Grape Street Crypt. Well, and, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's yeah. why they started wearing purple. And yeah. the police started looking for people wearing purple. Oh, exactly. Or the new, pa- or the new power generation. So it's like you think I haven't just trolled through Wikipedia at some point. <laughs> Who hasn't? I actually, actually don't work all the time, man. So Yeah, you're just going to yeah. be like, what's going, on? what's going on in Compton? Let's figure that out. Yeah, let's figure it out. But it was, yeah, it was growing up, yeah, so. And I mean, yeah, so that's why I guess when I look at stuff like Twitter and stuff like that, I guess I find it quite laughable. Or I guess why I've been so uh, proactively involved in like, you know, trying to expose cowardice for some reason, because I was mm. like, you have no idea about what hostility is as an environment. Yeah. Because yeah, South, yeah, South London, 
It was and it, I mean, it's rough. It's still got the reputation today to an extent. Because right. even when I was a kid, like, Croydon was kind of a neutral because it was so far out. Sure. So, but then now, like, you know, Croydon is quite close to Thornton Heath. And that's kind of rough in places as well. Mm. So, but I mean, because I guess it's South London, because South London technically is everything south of the river. Yeah. Whereas north of the river, you have East London and like North East London. So you'd have like Hackney and Dalston. And then North and East London used to have their rivalry as well. So like people in Tottenham didn't get wrong with people from Hackney. Sure. And then, and then you had North West London, which is even like, so like Kensal Rise and like Stonebridge and Halsden. That was pretty rough as well. I've just never even been in that part of London. Yeah. So Northwest was pretty rough as well. And, and West London was not particularly rough, but then, but then Shepherd's Bush and Ladbroke Grove were pretty rough as well. Right. So, and and the things when you're a kid, I think your opportunities for socialising in so much areas they're so much they're so more so much more narrow. Of course, because you're not just like because you're not you're going to because you go to school, you're going to have a place where kids of your age are going to be anyway, and it's all other adolescent like. Yeah, it's pre- not just like a bunch of boys. people living completely around the city, working yeah. completely around the city. So no, you're no, they're all, you're like, focusing oh, yeah. on the same place. So you so you take it a lot more seriously if you're going to be in trouble with that because your your path and your your opportunities for social interaction are very limited. Whereas now it's like, as mad as stuff goes on, I barely see things because I'm of an age now where I don't have to interact in these same kind of social paradigms. And well, that's the thing, you're just not there. As a exactly. kid, like I, I grew up in this area called like Bode, which like kind of had like some shifty people, like yeah. the Australian level shifty people, not yeah. very shifty, but you know. Hey, it's all relative. It's all there. It's all relative. But no, you just like you'd be aware of like who is kind of in which bit, and then like yeah, I'd exactly, go through yeah. there because like it's near where my mum lives still. So like go there as like a twenty-five year old. And you're like, look at these fucking kids. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, they're, they're just kids. But just, I mean, but my advice is if you're dealing with well, called youngers here, youngers, don't call them kids. Don't call them kids. Because yeah, you can't call a sixteen-year-old boy a kid. Why not? Because where gangs are concerned, he's a fucking adult. All oh, right. Okay. So if you're if someone's eighteen. You don't call them a kid. Sure. As far as they're concerned, if they whatever they're doing, they're going to a big prison. So as far as they're concerned, they're a fucking man. So right, that that would wind them up. That would wind them up massively. Wow. I mean, because you know, alpha alpha male displays are a big part of gang culture. So yeah, call an eighteen year old a kid. He's going to want to prove to you that he's not a kid. Oh jeez. Yeah. So what, by like getting a credit card? What? Maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'll be back here with a mortgage so fast. <laughs> you got fucking see, old man. But yeah. I mean, I but got, yeah, I got lower back issues. Well, this is it. Yeah, yeah, I, I got a few a some health issues. I'm struggling with <laughs> diabetes, adult onset diabetes. But you know, it was like yeah, the bad old days were fucking crazy, and there'd be places like you know, like Brockwell Park in Brixton. Yeah. Right. Like people yeah. go there for like music festivals and stuff like that. Like when I was a kid, I was a fucking coliseum. Right. Because no. it was like. You've got gangs from Lucian, Peckham, Camberwell, Brixton, Stockwell, Streatham. Right, just in that bit. Yeah. That was that was the bit they all tried to have. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, not tried to have, but it's like, they're going to be there, so let's see what the fuck's up. And right. Then, so you need to know when it's time to leave. Then you've got Woolwich Boys as well, and that's an enormous, they became like an enormous gang as well. And this is just South London, mind you. Yeah. Because once you go past, like, like in East London, you know, you know you're from South East London, then that became an issue as right. well. And then I mean it's, it's it gets complicated. If, and that's if you're involved because even stuff I even something I only just hear, like, right? You know, in passing. But like we, you weren't involved. You were just like kind of friends with people who were yeah, involved. Yeah, yeah, like, I grew up with people involved. who were so, involved. I mean, because like I said, it's like for some people, like I said, they don't really think about it. It's like I'm in a gang, and it's like I said, it, that's just a way of life. Yeah. And for some people, they think on the fringes and it looks fun, and they get involved. Mm. Those people are idiots. Sure. And then for some people, it's like for myself, it's like. There's no reason for me to be involved in the gang because mm. I don't have to be in a state where I've got to defend my turf or I'm going to be at risk. And also, like, I'm more scared of my parents than I am of any gang member. <laughs> so it's like, we're going to go do a robbery. I can't get caught doing a robbery. Yeah. Because if I get caught stealing anything, 
just leave me in prison because if I go home, I'm dead anyway. Yeah. So I'd rather the place are going to call my parents, and yeah, that's yeah. when my real problems begin. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. That's what, exactly. So I'm like, they'll be like, uh, I'll be like, you can't protect me. So I'll, just, <laughs> I'll stay in prison. Thank you very much. <laughs> the place, like witness protection, place. Why? Yeah. Like my dad is going to be exactly. fucking. He'll, he'll find me and he'll kill me. But yeah. yeah. So, but and also, yeah. But for me, so it's like there was no real reason for me to be involved in something, especially where I guess. You know, the idea that I can't go to Peckham and see my friends because of where I'm from. Yeah, it seems dumb. It's, yeah, it's dumb. It's like, yeah, why? You can't go anywhere, yeah. Why am I limiting my, my roaming yeah, in London? Exactly. But, you, but, you know, but, you, but at the same time, you have to be careful. You have to know where to go and where not to go. I think if you're from South London, like I said, like it carries certain connotations anyway. But like, would surely like if I kind of rocked up in one of those areas, they just think I was like some lost tourist. Yeah, they wouldn't think about it. Yeah, they wouldn't even... Yeah, they wouldn't think about it. And, and that's the weird thing as well. So the yeah. whole gentrification thing is very weird because I'm like, you know, you, I look at somewhere like Amersham, which is southeast London, like New Cross, very hipster now. Yeah. And it's like, if I see someone with like Beats by Dre headphones, when I was a child, if you had 150 pound headphones on your head, yeah, they're coming off. Right, somebody's grabbing that straight immediately. Away. Straight away. Mm. Straight away. When I was a kid... Depending on who you are or what a gang member thought you were, if your trainers were like like one tens, which are like Air Max ninety fives, sure, coming off, right. And these days, these, I mean, these days, I guess we are we've our, the culture has changed within the generation. We're so more consumerist focused that it's seen more as you've been able to afford to buy stuff. I think right. means more, and also a lot more CCTV, but it's more seen as that the fact that you can afford to have stuff is seen as more of like. It's not so much having it, it's that you can afford it. It's what you can afford it, yeah. It's not having it, it's you right. can afford it. But, then it's, it. but it does happen again, again, I'm probably a bit more disconnected because again, it's like, again, when I was a kid, the idea that there's kids walking around or standing in the queue at Supreme to buy 400 pound jumpers or 300 pound jumpers, <laughs> your cup runneth over if you're a gang member. You wait until they leave and it's like, all right, I'm taking all these bags. Yeah, right. That's how, that's how it was when I was a kid. It, it just, it's just the idea that- But these days they'd be in the line. They'd be in the line or they get someone to buy it for them or, or, or they'd be trying to buy something. Else. Or, I mean, really gang members, they don't give a shit about Supreme. If like middle class white kids' moms are buying it for them, they're not going to wear that kind of thing. They don't, they don't really care. Come about on, it. man. My mom just wanted me to look fly. Hey, of course she does. <laughs> she does. It does. Whereas this guy, you know, he has to make crack money so that he can afford to buy furniture for his mom. So yeah, yeah different, it's, different it's, vibe. Yeah, very different vibe. But yeah, so, but yeah, it's, it's, um, but wait, so where, where are your parents from? My parents are from Grenada. So they came over Grenada. in 1967. And this is what I mean. So they have, again, a lot of my friends when I was growing up, their parents were born in the UK. Sure. So they, um, I'm... So you second first, generation. second first, gen. Second gen, yeah, because they weren't, they weren't... I think I say what, so they, they weren't born here and they came here. So you're first gen. So I'm first, first, oh, so generation, so I'm first born, generation, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's right. Born it? here, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, I'm pretty sure that's right. That's always yeah, yeah. confused me. I'm going to say it's, you're right because I've, I've, I had this conversation recently but I think yeah, you're right. It's so like a lot in, of my friends are second generation. Right. So their grandparents are from the Caribbean or yeah. from, uh, from Western Africa. Then they had, the, their parents are born in the UK. So they're a little bit more liberal about things. Got less scary. You got less scary. And then they yeah. fuck around. And they fuck around. They so goddamn like, second gen. Exactly, second gen. So exactly, <laughs> so liberal with them. So like, they don't have like curfews and stuff whereas my parents are like, well, if you're out before you're 18, you're back at midnight. So again, it's like, there is no like, breadth for any kind of misbehavior yeah there's no there's no gang window no 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 there's no gang window just like guys i'm, I'm down for the gang between 8pm yeah, yeah, and yeah. midnight this is it but again it's like, <laughs> I, but then the guys i grew up with who would have grown up and graduated into doing that kind of thing again when we grew up it was never like we're gonna be they, they, they were never speaking i'm gonna be gang members for that sure. again it's just everything they see might be normalized that's kind of criminal that way. most people that are involved in that area want to leave because growing up in an area where like, your mind's being discombobulated by police sirens all the time very yeah. hard to sleep, high frequency sounds, 
make you fuck up your, your emotional disposition. Yeah. So most people I knew want to get, they want to get out, which is why I was very resentful of people that wanted to be on the fringes of what they perceived to be like street culture. Because I'm like, I know you're from, very similar to where I'm from. Mm. Whereas these guys, because my mom was a youth worker as well. Okay. So I spend a lot of time at like youth clubs and stuff. And I'm like, you don't understand. Is that, is that like through church or just secular? Oh, sometimes, but it's more secular. So it's more okay. government. Which no, no, you, know, like... you don't see a lot more of them now because of cuts. But so my mom used to work. There was one youth club in Turnham, in, Bro- in southeast in Broccoli. Mm. Another youth club on Leftbridge, which has now been gentrified and turned into flats. But, you know. Oh, mate, you can turn anything into flats. Anything, anything to flats, that's, yeah. That's my, that's my class's gift to the world. <laughs> we'll take fucking anything. You can, you can turn anything We'll turn into flats. flats. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we got the, we got we got this small driveway. We can get three flats out of that. <laughs> we can get three flats out of that driveway, dude. We can get a few flats out of your. We can put three flats well. and a carport. <laughs> Fucking carport. It can in always the flats. It can always work, man. It's always <laughs> work. I worry though about the whole flats thing. I watched this anime once called uh, Apple Seed. Apple Seed. Do you remember that one? Uh, no. It was like one of the first generations of like the old manga. Yeah. When they first started like uh, dubbing mangas into English and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's from the same generation of like uh, Fist and North Star. Okay. And like. Uh, Project AKO kind of thing, Akira. Yeah, that's so, yeah. real fir- kind of gritty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Real kind of kind gritty of, yeah. first gen Japanese. Anime. Yeah, yeah. So it's really, so hyper violent and stuff. Yeah, like that. and but but an apple seed was really not that violent. It was kind of depicted like it was like it was cool like it's like robots working for the police and stuff and sort of and like nice like AI. But at the same time, it was like they were just trying to control like this real recent spat of suicides from people that were just so it was so developed like where they were living and people were living in high-rise buildings but it was like mm. the, I guess the claustrophobia of being detached from nature was and there were suicides people, yeah suicides I find like outside of western culture deals with suicide in art very differently yes I watched this like Bollywood film mm-hmm. and there was like three suicides in the film and it was like it was like Bollywood it was like musicals yeah and, like one of the musicals led to a, like the discovery of a suicide victim and like, the thing so is, like the song like kind of fades out. It's just the thing, guy hanging. And, and maybe, you're like, what? You know what? Maybe that's part of the uh, the the uh, issue is that you know we refer to somebody committing suicide as a victim. Yeah. And you know, prior to them taking their own lives, maybe we don't refer to them as a victim. Well, I mean, obviously, um, yeah. There's like been a bit of chat of that recently because there's been a couple of deaths in the comedy yeah. community. And like, yeah, I think people like don't, yeah, like mental illness, like treat it like cancer. Yeah, we don't, like, we don't really understand it. And the thing is, I've spoken to comedians and stuff about like some friends and close friends about suicide attempts and stuff. And I, there's no, for me, there's never been, I don't think there's any shame in it or a suicide attempt. And, and I think I, and I have a theory on both things you're saying, because I think that because Abrahamic religion obviously has guided a lot of the mechanics of our society. Mm. So particularly in Catholicism, if you take your own life, you're supposed to go to hell. Well, it's a sin. It's a sin. Yeah. Now, the thing is, I think there is a socio-political reason for that idea because Catholicism is very much rooted in the military because it's a Roman em- for the Roman mm-hmm. Empire, which is prior to Catholicism being, you know, a part of the Roman Empire. Like purgatory didn't exist, for example. That's interesting. I didn't, yeah. I so didn't purg- know. So purgatory is like an idea that really is more, has its roots in Catholicism. Yeah. And obviously, and they say the reason why is because like, you know, because there's such a, a military aspect to their culture it's mm. like thou shall not kill that's very hard for someone who is a soldier of course to rationalize so then if you're they introduce the idea where okay well if you have some unresolved sins there is a place you go as a waiting room which washes you of your sins until you're deemed worthy of going into heaven and it's like cool I so you're like okay so i can go back to killing people knowing talk that, to I guess, that guy 
yes. kill some more people tomorrow. Kill some people, and then when the time comes, I'll be, and I think the same thing with so with the suicide thing is because I feel with the Abrahamic religion, I think a large part of Abrahamic religion is very much about the monitoring and the restriction of the womb. Right, and okay. I explain that. So there is there are theories that, like for example, when you drink the blood of Christ, mm. that it's the uh, the shape of the goblet or whatever you drink from, yeah, is very similar to the birth canal. Okay, that's and interesting. Obviously, and obviously, the people, way the people dress and stuff like that, but and the fact that you know, no sex before marriage. Mm. And this is my own radical theory in that, given the time, you kind of have to be aware that, there, and 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 for me, this is as far, even with the whole patriarchy in general, is that you have to remember that within every woman and their womb, they can all potentially raise an army. Sure, which means that if you are a ruling class, which is normally a minority by numbers. If the working class can produce more people at a fast rate, mm. then that's more people that can potentially be indoctrinated with that family's own ideology and potentially overthrow you. Sure. Which is why no sex before marriage means that typically or historically, marriage had to proceed having sex and having children. Yeah. Which means if the church, or which is the ruling institution, is monitoring everybody before they have kids... It's like you have a record of like, well, they're married, so they may have kids, so we can keep an eye on them. They're married, so they have kids. So you you keep an eye on all the birthing because it has to go through you. Well, it, stru- it structures everything. Yeah, it structures everything. It, but it means if for people to have kids, they have to go through you and have you officiate over. Yeah. yeah. And like their marriage is like within the church it and is, then the yeah, kids so they, are within the marriage. So, so, then, they, so they're monitoring. Yeah. So they, and so then you baptize the kids immediately. Yeah. So again, it means, remember they say if a kid's not baptized before they die, they can go to hell as well. Exactly. So yeah. giving all these people this complex means that we are able to monitor everyone that's born and every time someone's born, we can indoctrinate them before they can potentially be a dissident from our, yeah. I think so. Get them early. Get them early. Yeah. yeah. And whereas Eastern Orthodox religions, they have obviously things like reincarnation Mm. or like, you know, like to Japanese, like suicide is quite honorable sometimes. Well, yeah, the super coup. Yeah. Or or Harakiri, whatever people call it. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea is, so, they're not as adverse to it. Whereas here, it's like, if you can kill yourself or control yourself, again, you remove that power of life or death from the institution of religion. Sure. So that's why I think there's so much, that's why they're so opposed to it. That's interesting. Yeah, because like, the idea, because if you can kill yourself and you can kill your own children, then you're basically in control of your own life, which you should be if it's your fucking womb. But they're, they're like, you know, God's got a plan for you. And that plan involves yeah. living. And God's a father. To and be God's, in the church God's for a, longer. Yeah, God's a father. God's a man. And so he... Were you, were you raised religious? I was raised, yeah. Catholic? Was, um, be it both, a Catholic and a, what's Anglican or Church of England. Yeah, right. But but even then, I think as a kid, like it was never really a, a massive big issue. My mom goes to church. But I guess for a lot of Caribbean immigrants, like church provides... Like there's no there's no members clubs for like black people because it was like you know no blacks no dogs no Irish yeah so the church provided Nina. a big that's it yeah. yeah so the church provided a very big uh, opportunity for socializing yeah it's, I mean that's the same in Australia with the uh, Polynesian community yeah yeah like you know your Samoans your Tongans your Fijians that's where they all congregate around yeah. the church yeah because that's where you can meet up and you know the same with like civil rights it was all planned in the church and stuff because yeah. you know we don't really have the institutions whereby we can congregate and discuss stuff and I guess somewhere nice to meet. Yeah, and it's fun. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun, but like my dad, but my dad, but my dad never went to church. Ah, like okay. The whole the whole time my dad's known, I've known my dad. Like no church. His church tenants has always been like you know christenings, weddings, and and yeah, that's right. It. That's it. And his reasoning, he's just like, well, I think he was just like, well, when I was in Grenada, 
like your priest or your pastor, your fa- the pastor was like somebody who was actively involved in the community. So he didn't just go and talk from a pulpit, like he'd mm. come over to your house and see how you get on with your work. And there was a, he actually had to regular interaction with the community, which is not as possible in a metropolitan place like London. But he was just like, yeah, it's not really the same. Sure. And I think that's part of it, but I also think it's because he works all the time. And so it's like my weekend is my own. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and, and so it's very easy for me to rationalize. It's like, you know, my dad doesn't lie, cheat, steal abuse anyone or drugs or anything like that yeah. so he just lives an honorable life he lives an honorable life without having to go to church so i was like so it can be done yeah so it was never really a strong it was never really a strong insistence on no, i just I, I just i just know like yeah it's funny when people kind of raised catholic i think like i because yeah. that's how i was raised like you just kind of retain little Some, elements there's still ele- yeah there's little elements that, that yeah. like it's funny because like yeah just yeah for example you do you know garrett millerick yes yeah, yeah, yeah i just saw his show and he had this like one joke about why you got to be married by a Catholic priest. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, you know, because like there's this alcoholic virgin using metaphors about love. <laughs> yeah. It's like an amazing thing <laughs> yeah. to witness. Yeah. And I just lost That's, my mind during that, that bit. Cool. And like, no one else really enjoyed yeah. it that much. But, but yeah, I was but, fucking but dying. Yeah, I was definitely raised as Catholic, as was my, uh, my manager. She was raised as Catholic as well. Yeah. But at the same time, she's like, there is no way she'll take her husband's surname when they got married. Yeah. So I guess so for me it's fine, but like a lot of people I know are Catholic. I guess a lot of people I grew up around were raised Catholic as well. So mm. there are definitely a lot of tenets that I do take on board. But well, it's, just, it's just funny how like you just these things. You're like, oh, everyone knows that, and it's just like, no, 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 that was just you guys. Yeah, which is <laughs> really weird. Yeah, you, you realize you like it's really weird. Like and I, like I had girlfriends and stuff, and it's like they they were never never christened or yeah. Like, like what do you mean you didn't yeah. do the communion? Exactly. You don't have a middle name? Yeah. Where's your second middle name yeah. at? That's fucking weird. <laughs> do you not think that's weird? People without middle names. Yeah. That's so weird. But How do you work out your lineage? I, look, I don't work it out. <laughs> I don't work out either. Yeah, I still want to give the information to the... To the, to the neither to the do I. The ancestry, the ancestry thing. Yeah. Oh man, this is, this is how you know that you're talking to another comedian, like all the conspiracy <laughs> theory shit. You're kind of yeah, like, yeah. I don't believe it, but I won't still give them the information. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I mean I've, I've volunteered enough anyway. But it's like, you know, it's, do you know uh, Olga Koch? Yes. Yeah, Olga's Russian. podcast, yeah, she's cool. And she was just like, you know, when people talk about like being monitored and stuff, it's like, if you use something like Snapchat, you're already giving them facial recognition. Yeah. Every time you do a BuzzFeed article, you're giving them algorithms to like plot what kind of person you are. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like Westworld. Dude, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just, the one that freaks me out is like when you say something mm-hmm. and then it's your next pop-up ad. Oh, God, And yeah. I'm like, get the fuck out. Like, yeah. I... Because like one of them, like Magnums, right? Magnum ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Why would I ever Google that? Why would <laughs> yeah. I ever type that? Like, at what point am I like, Magnum? Like, what yeah, flavor? Yeah. Like, you know, fuck <laughs> off. I know what Magnums are. And I was just like, I was in this room. I'm sitting on the couch. Mary, my girlfriend, sitting next to me. And I'm like, I think I'm going to have a Magnum. Went up, picked up the Magnum, sat down, opened Facebook, bang. First ad, Magnum, sponsored. Yeah, I was like, get the okay. fuck I think that's out not, of it's here. Not, it's not okay. And she was like, maybe you Google them. Why no, the fuck? No. Why would even, I Google that? But even Maggie? then, your your Google search history should not be feeding into your social media. And I'm incognito all the time. Yeah, do you, yeah. Do you have the Do you have the tape on the camera on your laptop? I've got a, a proper slide thing. Oh, not even the wow. tape. I've got like a proper thing that sticks Jesus, on. That's some adult shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone, someone um, got one for me. But it's me, good so. to be paranoid. It is good to be it's paranoid. Like, don't use your fingerprint to unlock your phone. You fucking lunatic. Or your face sometimes is tough, man. But it's, uh. it's uh, yeah, it's good to be paranoid. I think yeah. it's very good to be paranoid. I think it's good to be to question everything. And I say that because it's like... Because you have a podcast called... I got a podcast called Question Everything. <laughs> Shameless plug. But also, but also people... But I just think that um, I do... I also find it annoying when people are able to approach something like religion with so much cynicism. Mm. But then if you say the police are corrupt, it's like, oh, how could... Oh, how could they oh, be? Oh, because human beings work there. 
So yeah. it's going to be corrupt. Everything's corrupt. Everything's corrupt. Anything involving human beings, anything involving capitalism, it's going to be corrupt. Why do people think the police are immune to that? Because yeah. pe- people need, everyone needs their thing yeah. that is pure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everyone needs yeah. their like one institution, their one person, their yeah. one spiritual being they do but but the thing is like I you must have one you must have, I have a, no, for me, it's myself i'm working oh, towards yourself. that yourself i work at working towards that so that's you that's the journey grew up in australia that's the journey no oh, I, I, I believe didn't, it, i believe in myself <laughs> <laughs> fuck off oh, but, no growing up Christ. daniel growing up i would never say this shit out loud when i was growing up you think i told people i wanted to be a comedian when i was a, when i was younger not. yeah you understand the australian fuck experience knows. to exactly. a degree having dreams are you what? fucking kidding me where's your job unless you it's this holy trinity of sports struggles or entertainment you shut the fuck up if Dude. you're not gonna rap or sell drugs or play football <laughs> shut the fuckity fuck up is that dave Chappelle or chris rock like probably, the, probably both i think it's dave Chappelle. it's like you know, the commencement speech it's the only way i've seen it work yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, entertaining gonna, these white people exactly you gotta shut the fuck up and, I, and the thing is because of that i had such a complex about being a comedian i was so against being an entertainer i was so against it i think i spoke to you about this before yeah, yeah i find I was, that really funny because like I mean, for me, it's just being like such a middle class, such a kind of academic background. But yeah. it's like the idea of being an entertainer is absurd. Yeah. It's like, it's just, how do you even do that? How do you go from being on the couch to on the TV? I yeah, don't know. It's ins- exactly. Because it's so, it's so far from you. But, but people grow up on this shit. And for me, it's even seeing comedians now. It's like, and my dad was to do this and this stuff. I'm like, my dad's a fucking postman. And he used to be a mechanic. Yeah. And my mom was a nurse and a youth worker. And so when I, people was like, like, I love comedy. But again... I thought that like celebrities were like grown on like in a special hospital. Like I thought people came from special hospitals. Like you hear about schools like the Brits or like Italia Conti. I was like, I thought all celebrities are like like footballers go to an academy and have a youth training scheme, and they graduate and they enter superstardom. Right. Well, that's. I mean, yeah. Especially in in this country. In Australia, I think it's like even weirder. It's like even more specific because it's like our celebrities are just people who don't play football anymore. Like that's Mm -hmm. all of them. Like they didn't yeah. start out as a singer. It's just <laughs> yeah. like they all played some kind of sport and now they're talking for a living. Yeah. Like, you couldn't find anyone better at talking than this fucking guy? You the guy who was never taught how to talk. Yeah. Never, never needed to. They only ever, and they told him like, you know, pass it. Yeah, yeah. Tackle exactly. him. That, that was it. it. That was it. And then hit no, the showers. I, and I, I wish that was an exaggeration. I fucking... No, I can believe it completely. I can you, definitely believe it. How do you like Australia actually? Because I, I remember... Uh, <laughs> From from memory, you you're okay with it. You like tolerate Australia. I tolerate Australia. Australia is a strange one, man. I think, yeah, it's a, such a strange one because I guess I my a large part of my experience is through the festivals. Yeah. So I think when you're in a hub of creativity, most of the people you're going to encounter are going to be a lot more liberal minded. Yeah. And more they're going to be like you. Extent. Yeah, yeah, going to be a lot more like you. Whereas I think Australian society uh, is how to put it succinctly. Australia is just the UK, like in the eighties, I'd say. Like the eighties. Yeah. I don't, I, see, I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about the UK in the eighties, so I can't. I can't confirm or deny you, this analogy. You know, you know more than you. Think. <laughs> <laughs> if you grew up in Australia, you know more so, than you. Oh think. my god, it's the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, just I. I just think we're kind of we're we're like a, we're like a teenage country. We're like we're yeah. very we're very kind of like yeah, yeah yeah. We don't really know what we're doing. We're quite insecure. Yeah. And like, but we and we don't really know what we don't have. I think that's like a very teenage mindset, yeah, yeah. you know? Like, exactly, yeah, yeah. Because you, you don't know what you don't have yet. Like yeah. as a teenager, you're like, I've got everything. Of course, And then, yeah, and then yeah. you're like, an that's what I mean, adult. it's like being, in, being in, in Lusham is like, you know, this is, this is uh, it's a labyrinth for violence and, and, and fear. And, and then now I'm like, 
it's a different world. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it's, a, it's a completely different world. And now I feel like a like a. Uh, oh, do you still live there? Do you still live? Well, I'm in. I'm like more near North Greenwich. I'm near the O2, so I'm more in Greenwich now. Okay. Which is not that different, but it's like I feel like I guess my experience nowadays is, is the same way that like when I speak to like Antipodeans from Australia sure. or New Zealand, they're like, "Oh, I live in Clapham. It's wonderful." And I'm like, before that was full of Junction boys who were all criminals. And again, I couldn't go to there because <laughs> I'd be in fucking trouble. That's so, what I was going to say when he says Shepherd's Bush was rough. Like that's where all, we all fucking. Yeah, live. exactly. Yeah. Shepherd's Bush is that, but Shepherd's Bush. Well, I mean, Fulham? again, Shepherd's Bush was a weird one because if you're from Southeast London, which has a large Caribbean population, sure, a lot of your cousins would be in Shepherd's Bush because obviously that's where the carnival's based. Uh-huh. So it's got a large Caribbean population. What, carni- what carnival? So, uh, Notting Hill Carnival. Uh huh. So because gotcha. it's so close by, there'd be a large Caribbean contingent. So, so they just live your, there permanently. So yeah. So your, a lot of your relatives and okay. your, your, your your family and friends would be there anyway, depending what, on who you are. What's the relationship like between the different Caribbean countries? Are you guys kind of in it together, or yeah, are you in it, apart from? Historically, Jamaica. Right, they do their own so thing. So Jamaica was the largest uh, island in the uh, British West Indies. Sure. And so, if you imagine the Caribbean, like the UK, Jamaica is like London. Sure. And the other smaller islands are like the home counties. Yeah. In that, and by that token, they can be maybe a little bit more conservative than Jamaicans, a bit more uh, rooted in being a lot more uh, more airs and graces. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very different. Whereas obviously people can be very posh and very rich in London, but at the same time you obviously have a very large working class population. Yeah, because it's an there's more of everything. Yeah, well, you're more everything. It's more of everything. Yeah, but, they, but so historically, and this is from my mum. This is not my experience necessarily. Sure. So Jamaicans have more of a superiority complex over smaller islands, a mm-hmm. because they're, I guess, uh, it's a larger islands. Yeah, it has more significance. And also all this stuff about the scandal about the Windrush now. Yeah. So the Windrush was the first ship and the majority of people that would have been brought over the Windrush would have been Jamaican immigrants. Sure. So Jamaican. So they were the first wave. So they were the first wave of Caribbean immigrants. And and by that token, we'll probably and made the effort to be a lot more integrated into British culture. So mm-hmm. they would have lived on council states alongside a lot of Irish people. So a lot of people who are mixed race and have dual heritage will be Irish and Jamaican. Irish and, and Jamaican. Yeah, yeah. I've not, met... A bunch of Irish and Jamaican people. Because they used to mix and every first. time I've been like, how the fuck? Yeah, because they would have been because they would have been in the same spaces because all the pubs which wouldn't allow oh. blacks and dogs and Irish in. Yeah. So then a lot of Irish pubs you find have like our Caribbean drinking um, places as well because they would have had nowhere else to go because they were both not welcome. So they yeah, so they, welcomed they each other. Of, yeah, kind of clicked up. So you get a lot of Jamaicans whose kids would have names like Sean or Kieran. Yeah. Obviously, there's such a, a link between. I them. love that shit where you're yeah. like, how. You know, you mean yeah, half, they, half Irish, half Jamaican. You're like, yeah, most, but most mixed race people of my generation, yeah, they, their ancestry would have been uh, Irish and Jamaican. Yeah, and then it's just like a beautiful, succinct answer. Yeah, so exactly, that's why. Yeah. You're like, oh, cool. And that's now, why, yeah. So now they, I've they got that up. Whereas the rest of the other islands, they, we all get on and it's almost like, it's like a small private joke that Jamaicans are like, if we would like, or if we were like American states, mm. like Jamaica is Texas, Okay. It's like they're loud, just brash yeah. and obnoxious and stuff. And yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. all have like a joke behind their back. But at the same time, they can also be very welcoming and very friendly and very big on their music. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Jama- but Jamaica, they definitely had a dominance. So, a lot of people would aspire to mimic Jamaicans. And I think a lot of the. Uh, I didn't realize a lot of the slang, a lot of the yeah, post- London slang no, is all Jamaican. Jamaican. Yeah, almost completely, yeah. I had no idea. I was yeah, just yeah. like, it was like the rude boy thing. I yeah. was like, that, that, what a that's weird, what a weird well. use of English. And the people are like, no, no, that's like a Jamaican yeah, thing. People say going to their yard, that's Jamaican as well, because that's another name for Jamaica as well. Right. So, I th- I'd say most, yeah, most colloquial terms that you hear, like young black kids mm. and not white kids now using has hey, look, Jamaican we, we like to, we like to learn about other cultures it, yeah there's a cross there's crossover there as well but mainly Jamaica is, is the largest influence and like I say it's the largest they right. were the largest uh, 
population of the African diaspora in the UK, mm-hmm. but now Nigerians have taken them over, which is reflected Nigerians now. Nigerians like, the biggest. Yeah. Okay. So, so then it's so that's that's reflected in like the culture and the music now, which has moved from being like more grime and jungle is having more influences from like Afrobeat or like Afro pop now, which they okay. kind of call it. So and have you, have you ever, is pretty good. Have you ever gone back home, like to yeah. Grenada or anything like that? A few times, yeah. A few well, times. Did you did you feel at home, or did, were you just kind of like, well, yeah. this is a strange. At first, like place. it's strange. Just like yeah, at first it's strange, and then you learn to do stuff like you don't take running water for granted. Okay. Because my mum's from from Karaku, which is like a smaller island off the coast of Grenada, and it's very rural. Okay. It's a lot more industrialized now, but it's it's again like it's like I guess like the outback, I suppose. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Just like a rural. There's yeah. farms. There's yeah, exactly. There's shortages. Yeah, exactly. You're yeah. at the mercy of the weather. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. So, and whereas Grenada's a bit more industrialized, so yeah. Um, so I've been to both, and uh, but it, it's cool, man. I mean, at the same time, it's like it's it's that weird thing, isn't it? Where it's like you're like, oh, what am I doing here? But then it's like people are all working because they aspire to live a life like this, where you know mm. you can live on a beach and the water's crystal clear and like the sand's white and everything like that. Yeah, so, and everyone else is just working. Yeah, and everyone else is working, and not yeah. even looking at it. You're like, have you guys seen this? Yet? Exactly, and no one cares. But when, you're, when you're a kid, it's just like this is so <laughs> mosquitoes and shit. And I haven't got a Nintendo, but uh, yeah. but I've been a few times. I've I've also actually been which is rare I think for a lot of uh, British uh, Caribbeans is that um, I've also been to like not just the British West Indies I've been to like the French West Indies and the Dutch West Indies what so, can you break yeah, this down a lot for an ignorant, so, yeah. ir- ignorant person so, um, so I know basically, about the Dutch I thought yeah. so the Dutch West Indies would be like Suriname yeah uh, St. Martin St. Bart I'm okay. going to say it incorrectly but I think it's Curacao sure uh, Cozumel um, Aruba Okay. Uh, and um, Anguilla. So and that, the, that's, that's the, the Dutch, Dutch West yeah. And then there's the... And Dutch Guyana as well. Yeah. And then you have the French West Indies, which would be like Martinique, Guadalupe, um, and and it would have been Haiti, but they freed themselves. Sure. And then you have the Spanish West Indies, which would be like Puerto Rico and Cuba and uh, uh-huh. Dominican Republic. So obviously they would have been yeah yeah because, because and then the British West Indies was like the British would have been like you, you know, like Windward Cre- Cre- Islands Cre- yeah. So yeah. Ja- yeah so Jamaica, Jamaica and Barbados. Dominica exactly yeah gotcha exactly yeah so, so that, that's I, I know stuff yeah but most but, <laughs> a, lot, but a lot of Caribbean people don't know that right because obviously in the same way that it's, and I guess it's like a paternalistic relationship in the same way that like a lot of British people are clueless about continental Europe yeah like a lot of British Caribbeans don't really know a lot about continental Caribbeans and uh, and it's almost the same relationship in that like I've been to like Rotterdam and Amsterdam mm. and like Rotterdam has a very large like Caribbean population or Dutch Caribbean population. Yeah, of course. But they they look at like Black Britons in the same way that like continental Europeans look at the British as like very very boorish and very like uncultured right. and it's quite funny because they think that they just think we're fucking animals. Yeah, yeah I, I, so I get funny. that. Whenever I go to Europe, I'm like, you think I'm a fucking feral? Yeah, yeah they think you think you're a piece of shit. And for me, it's so <laughs> cra- and, and for me, it's crazy because like Martinique in the Caribbean is like Black Paris. Sure. And I'd never been to a Caribbean island. Yeah. Where no one speaks English. Right. That that, that blew my mind. So you, what do they speak in Martinique? Just French. Just French or, or Creole. Oh. You know, so you, but I wouldn't expect that, like, because you think it was the Caribbean. So this is where it's like black people, but they speak English. Yeah. They don't. They then like you know, it, it's like I went to the um, Dominican Republic, and some of them never even heard of Grenada. Ah, oh. so it is yeah. So it's very, it's, yeah, it's very eye opening. And, and and then for me, it was like, so my family went on like a cruise. Okay. So again, so for me, it was just like it really opened my eyes. So just it was it was great because it was almost like that was my equivalent of a gap year where I get to see how potentially broad even my culture is because I'd never met you don't in the UK you don't meet people from Belize you don't meet people from Panama 
you know you yeah i mean i've never heard of anyone coming from there like yeah, you yeah. Hear about, exactly yeah yeah the only reason i even know those places is like where people run away on us tv shows yeah yeah or in hip songs, the yeah, or, or rap songs yeah yeah like or like even turks and caicos is like you know that's a that's the american yeah uh, the virgin islands right so the turks and caicos or like uh saint uh saint thomas Again, like most British people never heard of these places, but I, yeah, I was happy to find out about it. And like, because like Tortola is like the British Virgin Islands. Again, we don't really know about stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So wait, it's like with Grenada, it's English speaking yeah. majority, like anything very, else? Very, very small contingent of French. Very, okay. And driving on the left-hand side of the road, I was like, because is, uh, is it still Commonwealth? There'll be more right-hand, there'll be more right side of the road. So it's, Car- it's CARICOM. But it, so it's, it, it, it's, I think Grenada's independence was like 1963, maybe? Yeah. So, they, so, but and, and I think because of their proximity to America, they probably right hand side. Yeah, more. Right-hand I side. always always find that shit like with the Commonwealth and like the ex Commonwealth really interesting. It's like you know, side of the road currency, Queen's Head, East Caribbean dollars, but maybe the Queen's Head. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, because uh, like you know what I mean. It's just that little hangover. Yeah, yeah. That it's, you very, it's a very small hangover. Yeah. Oh, it's still there. It's definitely still there. Yeah. A very small hangover that's still there. Like even when you see like, you know, Royal Crests and stuff and Sure. Yeah. And Is so, there still a vibe of like we're part of the Commonwealth or none of that? It depends who you ask. Yeah. Okay. I think some people they derive some esteem from being associated with monarchy. Sure. But yeah. others are just like, We're just yeah. we're doing our own thing. Exactly, yeah. But it's like it's, it's like, you know, if your cousins come to visit you, they they want to go and see Buckingham Palace and that kind of thing and you're just like uh, <laughs> Fine <laughs> If we have to Again if we have to. Yeah. yeah in the yeah. same place. It's, but it's like even when people come to London they're like, I, I don't know why you would why would you need a car in London? You think, oh, fucking shut up, tourist. <laughs> Why would you need a car in London? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, when you see 50 Somalians jump off a bus from Woolwich, <laughs> wanted to fuck up some ghetto boys, you'll be lucky you got a car. So, so yeah. Well, like, I was, I was going to say, like, do you think of yourself as like, because I know I, I, we, we're getting, well, we've got a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to move you more quickly now. Okay, cool. This has been too enjoyable. The, uh, the, light, the lightning round. Yeah, the lightning round. <laughs> No, because I, I know that you've got the US passport as well. Is mm-hmm. that familial or is that, did you apply for that? Uh, both. Both? So okay. it was fast track because it was familial as well. Okay. Because my mum's my sister has been in America as long as I've known her. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Because I was just going to say, because I, I mean, yeah, this is, all, I always, I enjoy talking to people because it's always fun to notice your own ignorance. I think yes. it's always a joy. It's, it's good. Well, it was like, it was like um, do, you, do you know um, Baba Tunde? Yes. I just met him for the first time on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And he was doing this joke about how I was like, I'm in a mixed marriage. Yes. He's yeah. like, I'm from Nigeria. My wife's Jamaican. Yeah. And I know every white person's going like, that's the same. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, like, yeah. In my head, I'm like, it's a, yeah. ma- it's a massive goal. Exactly. It's a, it, as, in, as in like, it's like, um, yeah, it's like, it's like someone from Liverpool being with someone from Manchester. But Nigerians are like the Jamaicans of the continent. Sure. Like they're just like one of the largest and most populated the two countries. Yeah. So they're, they're the two big powers. Yeah, exactly. And again, they're regarded as the same as that. Like, you know, Nigerians are seen as being like quite brash and outspoken compared sure. to like, you know, their neighbors and stuff like Ghanaians and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so I was going to say, do you like view yourself as like Caribbean, like Caribbean foremost, or like black foremost? Like, yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, you know, I growing up, I probably would have made it a lot more nuanced to be like, I'm from, I'm from Grenada. But like I said, realizing like at university up north that white people don't know nor do they give a fuck no like i don't make it such we don't a know big anything deal to dist- yeah i don't make it such a big deal to distinguish myself but if to ask me accurately i'm a grenadian of nigerian descent right so my tribal ancestry is Igbo. right so one of the bigger tribes in like nigeria okay so that's where my family so that's where we're so that's how you ended from. up in yeah yeah so, Grenada. so, so, gotcha. Grenada, yeah. so i can trace it back but then on my dad's side so my dad's granddad is uh scottish right yeah yeah 
Like white Scottish? Yeah. Okay. That's it. Like, his, his wife is like got. <laughs> and my dad was like, he saw his, his wife had like ginger yeah. hair and stuff. And right, right, right. Yeah, no, yeah, sorry, so. it was just like you know that thing where like the DVD cover of the Last King of Scotland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck. Uh, <laughs> what just happened yeah, there? But, but white, yeah. So yeah. My dad growing up, like he was really fair and stuff. So okay, right. Yeah, so like he kind of he would have stood stood out in that respect. And uh, gotcha. Yeah. So. um but no, it's just it's just because like, I know um, with with comedy and like the way that the industry pigeonholes people. Yeah, you know, you're like you're like a black guy. You're like the it's first black, black guy British guy. Yeah, black British guy. Yeah, to be so, nominated for the Edinburgh yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very small thing. But then there's the black circuit whereby you know there is a platform to discuss these kind of nuances and these differences. Well, I did one of those rooms. Which one? Accidentally, Cafe Thousand One. Oh, where else? That's just down here. It's like... Um, oh, how was that? How did it, uh, it was fine. Like, yeah, yeah? You know, I think especially as an Australian person, you get a huge pass. Like, they're, they're just kind of like, oh, this is this is fun. Yeah. Like, you know, novelty You're act. there. I think for some people and for audiences, and sometimes, yeah, it can give you like a novelty act and it can also give you like a boost in that just being a white person that acknowledges the existence of the diaspora. Yeah. That's sometimes that's enough for people. Just the fact that you fucking paid attention. Oh, that's it. Just like, yeah. yeah, I think you know, you know me. Like I like talking about black people, and so they're kind of like, "Hey, he's talking about us." That's yeah, nice. he actually pays attention. Yeah. Whereas when you when you see like comedians be like, "I've just moved to Brixton and it's really rough and blah blah,", blah. it's like you've never you you're <laughs> it's almost I, I, it's almost as if it's like do you know in the Lord of the Rings when yeah. they put on the ring and it's like a he disappears invisibility. When invisibility yeah. That's what is the same as gentrifiers. Your plane, the plane of existence that you operate in as a gentrifier or as a transplant right. to Brixton is very different to what Brixton is. That's an interesting way to put it. It's like yeah. not, not just are you invisible to them, they're invisible to you. Yeah, you work, yeah just, it's two different lives. It's like yeah. there's like a pub in Clapham, like near, I think it's near Clapham North Station. It's like a right. real big pub, a lot of board games and stuff, a lot of Antipodeans go there. But it's like around the corner from there, that is a state where like this kid Billy Cox was shot to death. Right, but but, but they're not going to see that. Scrabble. Yeah, they're playing Scrabble, but it's, it's become two completely different worlds. Yeah, but, but like, like, why would they bother you? That's yeah, that's like I still remember that from like, uh, what is it? I think it's like Tough Crown, like you know, like yeah, the yeah, Colin yeah. Quinn show. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's like Patrice arguing with like Nick DiPaolo or something. Yeah, yeah, it's and just, just being like, black people don't want to rob white people like we don't want no. to bring you into this no like, yeah exactly you guys are a pain like the police pay attention like we <laughs> yeah. don't why do we why yeah, do we, we don't want care. to rob you yeah we don't want to rob you having them around it makes such a big difference like yeah I don't, and like i said i just I, I really want people to understand like when i was growing up like you could not be wearing a hundred pound a Canada goose jacket for example sure they can be up as much as 900 pounds yeah you could not wear that on the street by yourself Right, so I'm gonna just be like, let's pick in what would be called jacket. Peeled. Yeah, I love that, please. If you know it's good for you, like, right? So one of the greatest gifts my parents gave me was poverty. <laughs> <laughs> there was just nothing to steal from me. All your home brand shit is just like this. Yeah, is great. cool. It's like no one's like, oh, that's a nice hand-me-down jumper yeah. from your younger cousin. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. that yeah. Was, but uh, yeah, it was and it was interesting actually because uh, I think yeah, my parents I was very well equipped to interact with uh, guys from a similar background. Sure. Because when I was in school, a lot of my friends were like black middle class. Okay. So they could make fun of like some of my clothes. Yeah. Or if uh, they didn't wear tracksuits all the time. But when you're going to like Turnham Youth Club and everyone's wearing tracksuits, so it's fine. You just fit right in. And then I find out a lot of my friends who are like the guys in school because they have expensive clothes, they're the ones getting the shit kicked out of them on their own area. Right. Because the saying is you don't drink champagne around beer drinkers. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's not really nice to flaunt your wealth. And, and I think that's, and yeah, and I think that kind of, has given me a complex, which kind of how it precipitates on Twitter. And I'm like, don't think because I'm on TV, I won't punch in your fucking face. Yeah. Because yeah, I, yeah. I guess this, the, the environment that I'm from, whereby as soon as you begin to start believing in your own hype, 
Of course. People will bring you back down to earth. That's, uh, I mean, that's what Australia is there for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to remind you. You can be any motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, they don't care. What is it? Yeah, no, that, that's, I mean, this is a horrible example, but a great, a great example of Australia just like, we don't care. It's yeah. like Johnny Depp bringing his dogs in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Australia's exactly. like, mate, just because you're Johnny Depp doesn't mean you can bring your fucking you dogs can't, in. Yeah. And which is, we which like is good. We him and it's the a, dogs or some yeah. shit. It's, it's, a, quite, like, it's a great equalizer. But no, I mean, Australia's an interesting one for me because, yeah, there's, so, there's a very different narrative. And I think, like, you know, to an extent, as a black person or a member of the African diaspora, we've uh, enjoyed having the monopoly on discrimination for a long time. It's true. Because, you know, the soul is forging suffering, so we've been able to define our existence by everybody hates us because we're the best. (laughs) (laughs) But then you go to Australia and you see, like, the difference, like... Like Indigenous people. Indigenous people, like, that's... Like, for me, like, in the game of, like, race cards, which which white people think that we play, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, one of the only things that can, I mean... The Trump. Black woman trumps black man, obviously, because black woman, but, like... Indigenous Australian woman or Indigenous Australian, yeah, they're way up there too. I think maybe even like Romani gypsy might be above black man. Oh, because they're, they're not even fetishized. I don't even. Yeah, I don't know about that. Like, because we because they're we virtually don't have... invisible, but over here there's virtually invisible. And Anglo Saxons they do not like Romani gypsies. Like they don't like Irish travelers and stuff. But yeah. Romani gypsies, so far as like dark skinned people that try and sell you roses and stuff in central London or play like instruments on the train. Right. They're just oh my god, how they're treated. Like they don't exist. Well, that's. I mean, that's the yeah. that's the crazy one because like at least in Australia, right. There's like not really many groups. Like we just, yeah. as, as I'm, I, I remember the exact thing you said being like, there's no black people in a country. It makes me feel weird. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, which is true. If you, if you walk around, there is not a lot of black immigration. But there are, but there, are, there, are there is some, yeah, there is some. So I've actually met a few black people from South London in Australia now. Right. There yeah, you yeah. go. Well, it's, so it's, it's, it's like as a kid, like I, I reckon until I was like, maybe like 12 or 13. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. If I ever saw an African, yeah, like, yeah, ever or Car- I can Caribbean imagine. dude, yeah, I like can ever, like, indigenous people, uh, maybe yeah, I can imagine, yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, and just like, but like, so, but, but we still try and ignore the indigenous population. Oh no, I've seen, even though there aren't other groups. Yeah, yeah. no, I've like, seen. At least in America, it's kind of like you know the black-white narrative. There's a very uneasy from yeah, Native they're Americans, used, they're, and also then they're used to seeing African Americans in the home. I think, yeah, whether through chattel or also through just like America's entire experience they can't avoid black people whether they see them or not. Yeah. Whereas in there are some people in the UK that won't see, will have weird xenophobic views despite, like I'd be like, if you're from Barnsley, you can't complain about immigration. Yeah. Because everything that is even remotely <laughs> ethnic ends in takeaway <laughs> where you are. So you have no need to be worried about immigration whatsoever. Yeah. That- it's also like, do you really want somebody on an English body clock to be making your food at two o'clock in the morning? <laughs> you need someone that can survive on Sri Lankan time. Because <laughs> that English person's going to be tired and cranky as fuck. It's like, I don't trust you. Of course. Yeah. You, you wouldn't. You Also, you guys have been spoiled by like the things like unions and collective bargaining. They don't have that in fucking Sierra Leone. <laughs> no one has that there. They don't have that in, 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 in Ceylon, in Sri Lanka. They don't yeah. have that. It's not, unions. not unions from Sierra Leone. There's no. not, yeah, exactly. There's, there's, not, there's not a lot of unions there. But yeah, Australia's an interesting one because it just opens my eyes to, again, like not almost arrive at a certain level of uh, esteem from being public enemy number one and realizing like, you know, and I know, I guess, and really for me, I guess it's the narrative in terms of the fact that even our ideas about race are a social construct mm. because, uh, you know, my complexion, there, there are 
Indians darker than me. There are people from like the Guinea who may be darker than I am. Yeah. Indigenous Australians, but they may have blonde hair. So even the definition of black well, that's, can vary considerably. So Yeah, because Indigenous Australians, there's very few who are like anywhere near like 100% ancestry of Indigenous Australians. Yeah, exactly. like, like most people are mixed. Yeah. And a lot of them are recessive. Yeah. So like you can't, like unless they tell you like I, I remember i was in i was in class at university mm-hmm. and this guy like we we're talking about like adverse possession which is like if you live in a house for 10 years then you legally own the house yes if it's unbroken possession yeah. adverse possession and so people like the lecture was like do you think that's valid and this guy's like no of course not like the person still owns the house just because you weren't there for 10 years you still own it yeah and the lecture was like well what about this you know like classic kind of lecturer curveball yeah, yeah. and like what, what about this <laughs> Would you not say that what the white Australians did is in fact adverse possession? And it's kind of like, I mean, that's that's a talking point. It's to yeah. like generate thought. Yeah. Ridiculous statement. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't check out at all. But anyway, like ignoring that, the guy is like, you know, just like he's a white dude, just kind of like, no, obviously that's insane. Like that's like totally different. Yada yada. Just like you know, we like you know, they they don't have uh, what is it like property there's like because yeah. there's like the nomadic tribe it's, yes, it's complicated the concept to of property, yeah but it's the concept of property and ownership is not the same thing yeah yeah it's just like you know they don't they don't have like a kind of historical record yeah, yeah. and then this lady just goes yes we do and everyone just kind of swivels and it's like you know she's like a little bit darker than a white yeah, person yeah, yeah. but like you'd never would have in a million years yeah. picked but it. see we can tell though like you can tell? one to no one yeah with it, with it, oh. with it, that's a, and this is the thing like sometimes i've had almost like hostile discussions with people with like mixed ancestry right because they're passing and, uh-huh. they, and they don't want people to know. Like, I remember my friend, he was working with a girl who was like, yeah, had you seen and she was indigenous Australian. Right. And I, could, I was like, I can tell just the features and like your skin's olive and your nose. And she yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. no, I'm, she got real upset about it. Because a lot of people are trying to pass. And like, when you look at the spectrum in terms of racial hierarchy, obviously I guess everyone concedes that they're not the same as like a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. However, mm. what happens is, is that between that and the, I guess the other extreme of being African and black or indigenous and yeah. brown, is that a lot of people underneath that rationalize their inferiority by being a lot more vitriolic in asserting their superiority over who they perceive to be lesser races. So that's why you find that sometimes, like in America, for example, like a lot of Irish people were more racist than the Anglo-Saxon Protestants and they were more, or the yeah. Italians were more racist and they became like the overseers well, of that, like, that, The whole the LA riots, so it was like black people and Koreans. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were like, fuck these guys. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's dividing, kind of divide and conquer and stuff. But like, yeah, some people become very hostile and they're not aware. Or like, you know, uh, Craig Quartermain, for example. Yeah. Indigenous, but he's obviously quite, quite fair. Yeah. And um, he told me something interesting because he was saying, because I always find it, the, the, the consciousness in like Melbourne, for example, mm. seems massively liberal. And sure. you go to the festival and they, they speak about the land originally belonging to indigenous people and their apologies yeah, for the loss of the land. traditional owners. Yeah, acknowledge yeah. And I'm like, but none of them are here. No. So it's very tough. And uh, <laughs> to, to understand why they keep doing this, none of them are here to hear this. And then also I'm seeing on the television, like mm. there's a separate indigenous Australian channel for their shows yeah. and they got a separate comedy reservation and their own kind of show. Mm. And like, it's like, acts like, you know, like I said, Craig or like Kevin Cropinieri and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. and then I'm like, speak to Craig about it. He was like, you know, uh, I think someone said to him, like, you must be like it in Melbourne. He was like, uh, no. Yeah. Because Victoria is one of the only places that completely wiped out their endangered population. So, ah, I didn't even know. Where he's in, wow. where, where he's in Darwin, uh, like, Perth. Oh, oh, Perth. Yeah, Perth, where he's, yeah. In, he's in Perth. He's like, yeah. you know, it's all right because, 
like places like that, it's like in the outback and stuff, you'll see indigenous Australians. Whereas mm. Melbourne is built up and liberal as it is, it's like, well, there's no one left here. And, and, and it's even like, you know, for me, it's kind of like, you know, you can obviously the narrative of like the civil rights struggle is ongoing and has been for a long time. But then it's kind of like when you consider indigenous Americans, mm. like it's, it's fucking crazy. That's what I mean. They're yeah, just like, because the it's other like, it's not even is so yeah, so it's because the other narrative is so strong, and that, and that kind of repeats holographically to an extent whereby because when we talk about like diversity and representation in comedy, for example, mm. it's black and white. Yeah, and it's like weird that you see so many liberals who are like spectrum, spectrums, autistic spectrum, and body dysmorphia spectrum. And it's like, but the spectrum of race is one you can't really see because mm. you'd be like, I don't really see color, but it's like you can dye your hair purple, so you can very clearly see color. Of course, but what it means is that for a lot of comedians who do have dual heritage and, and the thing is for a lot of people that have mixed race, like where I've met comedians who may be Persian and Irish or comedians who are like Egyptian and English or, mm. you know, just so many diverse mixes. And I think for most people, comedy is very much the tool they use to rationalize their existence and for them to like, you know, deal with how their upbringing is very different to everybody else's because it's very hard for them to get cultural indicators from their parents and stuff. So it's like making jokes about who they are, where they're from and how confusing it is. Mm. You get that from a lot of comedians, but the UK kind of restricts that because if you're not even struggling to acknowledge the existence of like the African diaspora, it means yeah. like I've got a lot of friends who are like, like one of my friends, comedian, like Francis Foster is, his dad's from Wigan, his mom's from Venezuela. Yeah. But for him to discuss race relations and his own racial background, because he doesn't look like a he Latin person. He's super white. Looks super white to, the, yeah. to, to, to most people, to untrained eye. People are just like, well, I'm not listening to him. It's just like, like he's in a blur cover band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He can pass for it. Or, like, or Darius Davis as well. Darius's dad is Persian. Right. His dad's called Gobad. Like, you know, his mum's <laughs> Irish. It's Gobad's like, pretty sick. It's a cool name, but it's yeah. like, again, with Darius, it's like, no one wants to acknowledge that, you know? Well, no one wants you to be the spokesperson you know yeah. that thing like yeah, yeah yeah like not not black enough not white enough exactly yeah, yeah. so i mean I, I again because i'm aware of this and i've been fortunate enough to be able to travel and, and see so many more nuanced cultures and stuff it's like mm. i do try and make it a point of principle whereby if i see comedians who who are i guess trying to find their place as well yeah it's like you know now you're, you're cool and like if you ever want to ask me anything or mm. need help then yeah you're you're one of us kind of thing yeah so anyone that exists outside of the system or the the preferred aesthetic I I try to make them feel as welcome as possible. Well, it's like when I go to Australia and stuff, like you know, like I said I I, I want to make take my time to hang out with uh, comedians who are Indigenous Australians and mm. people like Craig. They always take time out to spend time with me. But then as does someone like Akmal Rahman as well. Like yeah. he's obviously t he's reached out to me and stuff and the team Hussein and stuff. So these guys they make an effort and I and I and I want to learn their story as well rather than having almost like the uh, pretension that like. Oh, we were talking about race relations. Well, I'm a black man, so it's going to be the best you've ever heard. Like, you know, but, you know, there's an experience of, like, you know, uh, all my friend uh, Surin as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah Surin's a great guy as well. So kind of clues me up about, like, how the world works and stuff like that as well. So It's just, yeah, yeah like, I mean... I, like, Ronnie, Ronnie Cheng as well. Yeah, but people, like, like collapse everything. Like, you know, Surin's, yeah. like, a Sri Lankan dude. Yeah. Who's like his, his dad, I forget which way it is. It's like Singalese and Tamil, so it's like both. See, like, yeah, exactly. And, um, and stuff like I, I, but then, I like, they just, they just like, they just like, wait a second, but can you do like your mum's accent on TV? And he's like, my mum speaks perfect English with yeah, no so accent. Yeah, he doesn't make any sense. And they're like, well, yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll call. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, it, like it's, like <laughs> you, you want diversity that's convenient for you. Like, <laughs> exactly, that, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? It's like, it's like, yeah, well, we got diversity. Pal palatable for the audience and that kind of thing as well. Yeah, you see that, you definitely see that a lot. And it's like, there are a lot of black people that if you closed your eyes, you wouldn't know they were black that you see being preferred for certain positions and stuff. Dude, I, I like, 
yeah, it's like diversity on the panel show. Everyone's a different color. Everyone's a different gender. Everyone's blah, 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 but they all went to the same fucking university. They did. Like, it's and I, yeah, exactly. Weird. It's very weird. And, I, and, and that's I, here. That's it's not. Oh, it's here. Oh, I mean, of course, and that's and I, and not I America. Out, and I worked it out. Like, and I'm going to even give you because I'm working work on the show on this. So I'm going to give you, <laughs> give you your listeners inside some scoop. inside scoop. It's because and people not a lot of time they say that class breeds more than race in the UK. Right. Not necessarily the case. But what sure. it means is that if you are from a certain background or ethnicity, you are relegated to a certain class. So I've combined those two ideas years and it's it's placism placism yeah that people need to know it's like they want you to know your place Uh. so there's a lot of placism in the fact that like while you you know you you may have a uh there's supposed to be a contingent where we're encouraging you know people from a you know who may have certain disabilities or on the mm. disability spectrum but it's like i've worked with someone like don biswas yeah and don biswas's family i think he might be maybe southern southern indian from from Tootin, from wimbledon sure, yeah yeah but don you know he's has so he's a brown guy who has dyspraxia, you know, dyslexia. Yeah. But seldom seen on television because he's not interacting with this dude and it's not displayed in a palatable like way that it's, makes middle classes comfortable. His friend, Stephen, great friend, has supported me for years. Stephen has quite mild cerebral palsy as well. Mm. And it's like, well, these guys would be your perfect travel log. I've been in the car with them, cool guys. It's like, no, nah. there's the other people we see, like you know, you like, it's like even Tim Renkow now has a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim has quite severe cerebral palsy, but it's like, at the same time, he has cerebral palsy, so it helps. But at the same time, it's like, well, how long has it taken for you to realize like he's easily one of the best writers in this industry? Oh, insane! Easily, easily, and like, easily. so have you seen him like just nail a heckler? Yeah. Like you know, this this is a man who like you can't really control his arms. Like he's yeah, shaking, yeah. He has to sit when he performs. Yeah. And a heckler will say something, and his sentence comes out what like half the speed. Yeah. Like, yeah. like and and even that timing, it still nails them. Like he's. Never, mi- I've never seen him miss. Yeah, yeah. Just like, oh, never. Bang. Like, this is the guy yeah, who, like, his, who's, uh, his, the makeup of his nervous system means he can't necessarily wear shoes because of muscle twitches. Yeah. But I'm afraid of him when he gets on stage because <laughs> he is that good. Yeah. yeah oh, so, so placism is the issue in the UK massively. Well, look, I know that's the perfect, perfect way to leave it. Placism. Yeah. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be hanging out with Dane Baptiste if I didn't get a new word. Yeah, I'm working on them. I'm working on them. I'm trying to broaden as as social media reduces our vocabulary. I'm trying to come up with new shit. So did a mm. podcast recently with Catherine Ryan on menstruation. Menstruation. Yeah, as if the faces of the moon affect men's mood and do we have mm. our periods? I say yes, but yeah. Look, people have to listen. More. You got to listen. That's uh, that's questions. Everything. Yes. Where can they find you? Come on. Uh, so. Guys, obviously you can find me on Daniel's Amazing Podcast, but I also have a <laughs> podcast with a few of my uh, friends, uh, which is uh, Quotas Full, uh, which is available on iTunes and that, Spotify that and YouTube. That podcast frequently features Ishan Akbar, former former guest on this, very like Ishan, funny dude. Pakistani Bangladeshi, right? That's so it. again, perfect example. Um, uh, and uh, also my own podcast, which is uh, Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, which is available on uh, Spotify and iTunes as well. Nice. Anything? Anything else? And then just gigging and bullshit, really. What about, stuff. what about the? I put the Twitter on, but just say it, just because you're the, the troll judo. Oh Come yeah, on, uh, Dane, can uh, you? you can find me on Dane Bap tweets. Uh, also, uh, Dane Snaptiste on Instagram, and uh, you can find a list of uh, where I'll be performing next on DaneBaptiste.co.uk. Awesome, Dane. Can you? I, I'm trying this new thing where the podcast needs to end a certain way. Uh-huh. Can you say cheers, mate? Ah, oh, cheers, mate. Beautiful. See you, mate. <laughs>
to find out a new name for something. Loves a portmanteau, that man. Old Dane Bap tweets. That's how you know. His previous show, God, Gold, Oil and Drugs. He has the most acronym-based comedy show names in the goddamn business. And there's a reason why. Because he is a weapon with words. Um, really good chatting to him. Really enjoyed kind of hearing about the gentrification of South London. I think anybody who lives in London at the moment would kind of see South London as like a very gentrifying or even gentrified area, depending on where you are. It's like the cool bit. It's where everybody is buying houses because they're just that slightly little bit more affordable than in the north. Whereas obviously him growing up just, you know, 25 years ago, very different place, bit more violence. But maybe then again, as he said, I'm just not witness to that because I am a middle-class hipster piece of shit has moved across. Gangs and stuff don't want anything to do with me. I'm just a lot of trouble. But it was also interesting talking to him about Australia because I'm sure you've noticed a theme in this podcast. You really can't over... You really can't overstate how poorly Australia has treated indigenous people. And nobody really talks about it. And it's great to finally talk to people and comedians who've seen it a little bit and understand it a little bit. And Dane, as he said, goes out of his way to make sure he has those conversations, uh, which is what separates him from most people who go to Australia or haven't even been to Australia. And the only thing they associate with it is sharks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely not a concern for anyone from Australia. But uh, great chat with Dane. Make sure to listen to his podcast. He goes deep and you get some really big guests on there. And the quote is full is a lot of fun as well. Uh, other than that, please do subscribe if you enjoy the podcast. As always, tell a friend. We're trying to grow this podcast this year. I've got some great guests coming up. And I am sorry again about the lateness. But when you're a one-man band and you're in the mountains, you can't exactly upload stuff. But hey, I'm going to have another podcast with you very, very soon. Uh, grab us on Twitter at The Union Jackoff or on Facebook, The Union Jackoff with Daniel Muggleton. And we'll be back with another brand new episode real soon. All right, jerk offs, have a good one. I'll catch you next time.